0: You're listening to one of the first two episodes of Amazingly Terrible, which means we didn't have quality microphones, and the episodes are three hours long,
1: so hang in there. Today's episode, episode one of Amazingly Terrible, is going to be the comparison of Thundar the Barbarian, episode number 15, Fortress of Fear, and Bravestar, Episode 44, Tex, But No Hex. Lords of Light! Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot you were going to do that.
2: Shall we introduce ourselves?
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, we should.
2: All right. Our esteemed producer.
0: Lord and Master. Is yes, I am
2: David Marks. <laughs> the on-air talent, Adam.
1: <laughs> uh, I guess I'm on-air talent. I was going to give a little bit of my backstory, but... Uh, What's your backstory? I don't know. My name is Adam. I'm Matt Gardner, a nerd living in Brooklyn, New York. In a father. <laughs> That's true, what? I'm a nerd father.
2: <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike.
1: Uh, Mike is a disgraced Beautiful. Air Force officer. Um <laughs> On the run <laughs> For a
0: crime he didn't commit. If, but if you
2: could find him,
1: if you can find him, please don't touch him. He is very toxic Amazingly Terrible is a podcast where we go back in time and look at cartoons from our youth that we have either seen and we know and we love, or we haven't seen. and uh, we randomly choose which cartoons to review. And we put two of them together based off of that random generator. And we don't really compare them. We more like rank them to determine if it's worthwhile for us to continue watching that series. So this week, as we mentioned at the top, we're watching episode 44 of Brave Star and episode 15 of Thundar.
3: The and Barbarian.
1: Th- I'm sorry, Thundar the Barbarian. So these are seemingly two entirely different genres and two entirely different uh, themes within the cartoon, but it turns out they're actually really well-connected in theme, and I think we'll get into that later.
2: Oh, you think so? All I, right. think so. I I'm interested to hear your
1: theories.
0: Now, now I think Bravestar is the whole reason we wanted to start this podcast. That's true. It,
1: that's why we're starting I, with Bravestar, that's right.
2: I, I will take the credit for Bravestar, because when I was eight... Seven or eight, I had a Brave Star lunchbox. I had never seen the cartoon. Because really? mm-hmm. you weren't
0: allowed to watch television.
2: That's right. I didn't have a TV, <laughs> and I had never seen the cartoon. I had no idea what Brave Star was, but I had a Brave Star lunchbox, and I believe the lunchbox itself was purple and it had a thermos in it. Hmm. Um, at any rate, I had rem- I remembered that for years, and I brought it up to this group of fine fellows. And they had never heard of the epic that is Brave Star.
0: You you were you were you're circulating clips of Brave Star around, and I believe it was Derek who took a look at it and said, "That looks amazingly terrible." That's true.
2: This is our origin story, Adam. It, yeah.
0: And I immediately leapt on that and wrote it down as what the title of our podcast should be. And for the next few months, we always remembered it as awesomely terrible
1: but I have that's written right. it down. <laughs> to the point where I even created a Google business account for Awesomely Terrible.
2: Because we're professionals.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's right. At any rate,
2: we rolled the dice. We got these two random cartoons. Let's, let's admit it, we cheated and pulled Bravestar first. But Thundar, yeah. totally, totally um,
1: Actually, that's not true either. David did so, want to do Thundar with Bravestar because they both have double R in their name.
2: Jesus, yeah. this whole yeah. origin story is going to be re- rewritten That's by right. Frank Miller to be, to be dark and gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we know about it will be will be
1: flipped down its head. And dark we know and that gritty. Mike will voice the trailer for that. In mm. a world where there's two R's.
2: All right, shall so we jump into the episodes? Who would like to go first? Shall we do Thundar or Brave <laughs> Star first?
1: Who would like to tell a tale?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: do I get experience for this or what? Mm. Uh, of course you do, Mike. We Absolutely. Get for this.
2: Yeah, this is the
0: oh, experience. We should totally like do that. We character. should
1: translate We should translate people appearing on the podcast with experience earned in our role-playing games and that way people might show up.
3: <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yes, another part <laughs> of that our will make story.
0: people show up.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that would be the thing.
0: <laughs> this was going to be an RPG po- podcast that uh I think Adam you tried to record it. Yeah. Starting maybe 2014, it was when 2014. you tried, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But and we, we could, we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> we could no longer do that because I had a child.
1: Well, <laughs> it. We could no longer play RPGs because you had a child. I believe when I attempted to get us to record us playing RPGs, the exact response the that technology I got from the overwhelming ready. majority <laughs> of people was. Who the fuck is going to want to listen to another RPG podcast? Do you know how many of their, those there are out there now? Two billion. With professional voice actors, even. Mm. And I said, you're right.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it was well, but you're,
1: you're weak-willed. I know, that's the whole point. David, on the other hand, we had mentioned jokingly that we wanted to do a podcast about cartoons. And David fucking ran with it. Mm-hmm. And we're here.
4: You know what else we could do? The man behind. We could do an anime uh, panel. I actually
1: started creating an entire uh, pantheon of uh, podcasts that we could do as a group, and I believe uh, one of them is uh, Otaku Hour with you (laughs) and David.
4: Hold hold on. Hey Google, define pantheon. (laughs) Oh, that's not very fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, a Uh, compendium of podcasts. How's that? Compendium, what would a compendium okay. of podcasts be? Is that a murder of podcasts? Compendium of podcasts.
2: Yeah, we, need a, we um, need a new multitude.
1: It's career death. It's a career death of podcasts. That's what it is.
4: Oh, hey, Pentagon. Um, Google got it wrong. A plain figure with five straight sides. I know what a Pentagon is. Okay. It.
1: So so what do we watch? <laughs> uh, we watch Bravestar, episode 44, Tex, but no Hex. And Thundar, episode fifteen. Uh, I'm going to suggest of that we. Fear.
2: I'm going to suggest that we start with Thundar because I believe we're going to have more to talk about with BraveStar.
1: I think that you are correct.
2: Is that? Does everyone else believe with believe this as I believe? Uh, let's I go I with do. it. And I also think
1: <laughs> that Thundar was earlier. Right? The history of Thundar was.
2: Oh yeah, it's from the seventies.
1: Okay.
4: That's why.
1: Right. <laughs> That's, That's why so, yeah.
4: Ariel wasn't wearing a bra. That's why I was like, why is this so weird?
2: <laughs> so, I have never watched Thunder of the Barbarian before. Had you guys ever seen an episode before?
1: Never. I did. I used to actually watch it um, a little bit more when I was younger. I remember watching really? it at my great grandparents' house. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Hmm. I think we, we it, hinted on it a little bit before, but we might want to um, go a little bit deeper into Matt's origin story cuz Matt does have a very unique experience in the fact that he doesn't really have that much experience with shows when he was a kid. He doesn't have an origin story?
2: The 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 brightly colored box with the with the moving lights would scare me. And <laughs> now as an adult I know that it can't harm me physically.
4: You but. had the you had the thing with the the paper. Um and you would, like, move one piece of paper after the other with a bunch of words, right?
2: I would, yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. At any rate, he, he enough about me. Let's, <laughs> let's move it, on. It, it said that arm. you
0: could draw sounds. <laughs> <laughs> what right. a,
1: uh, what like a foreign concept.
4: Warrior. I cannot understand cool. that.
2: All right. I'm going, right I'm going into the summary, guys.
1: But, but no, no, I, d- I do think it is worth saying that, that Matt did not see a lot of cartoons when he was a kid. Uh, not just to single you out, Matt, but I think that you were going to have a little more of a fresher perspective for some of these than we are. Because um, I I did watch a shit ton of cartoons when I was a kid. DuckTales. I,
2: I think I saw a lot of cartoons. I don't have the, like, the depth, but I saw a lot of stuff just at a friend's houses or in uh, hotel rooms or... Uh, I- Any time we were fleeing across country, mm, nice.
4: On the run with the military.
1: Mm, yeah. Do we have the lonely Hulk music somewhere that we oh. put in here for interstitial?
4: Mm. Yes. Sure. Pl- play the yeah. uh, the the Hulk
1: <laughs> walking away on that lonely road that was in
2: Family Guy also. <laughs> so we're not gonna reference the actual reference, we're gonna reference the reference to the
3: reference,
1: reference
2: to the reference. Well, I to think the that's
1: reference. actually how Mike gets all of his pop culture references. It's through right. other people's references and the, Family Guy.
4: The reference to the reference, yeah. There are
2: no new ideas, as proven by Thundar and the Barbarian.
1: Perfect transition.
2: The, the episode open is narrated by what appears to be Casey Kasem with a head cold. And uh, it sets up the premise that in 1994, that was, that was 26 years ago. Just let, let that sink into your consciousness. Shut up. Uh, 26 years ago, a runaway planet hurtled between the Earth and the moon and unleashes cosmic destruction, and thus man's civilization is cast in ruin. And then, anyway, 2,000 years later.
4: (laughs) So abrupt. I hated that. I was like, oh my god.
2: I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, They tell us that a strange new earth is born. And they they mention two of my trigger words, super science and sorcery. And we see a wizard make a demon out of
1: gas. Those were three words. (laughs) Super science is one word super, super science. science
4: is oh it's
1: like a, a contraction yeah, no it, science, it's a it's, hyphenation
2: it's a word. <laughs> uh we see a wizard make a demon and I at that point I was like yeah I'm down for this shit I want to see I want to see more of that were you disappointed
1: yeah I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it <laughs> let's talk about the moment uh, here
4: he's excited right
2: and uh introduces the characters uh Ukla the Mook, uh, who looks like Brack, didn't skip leg day.
3: Princess <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> uh,
2: we got Princess Ariel, who looks like Betty Page, and she does magic, and she has, like, serious cat-eye makeup in the apocalypse.
4: And she talks like um, uh, the girl from... Uh, Ch- <laughs> From the fifties movies. I don't Podcast know. Podcast Gold Mike. I know it's horrible. Sorry. Go on. Continue. Uh, no, no. Just give it a long
2: time, man. Finally oh, we thunder. have Thundar the Barbarian. The Barbarian? Uh, the Barbarian. And he is remarkable because he is strong, has a sun sword slash lightsaber, and quote unquote fights evil. Uh but mostly his power seems to be flat footed jumping.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That yep. seems to be his chief power. Uh, he looks a little bit like Conan, uh, Kanzar, and Tarzan had a three-way. And,
0: now, see, and He-Man. Don't forget see, about He-Man. Well, Prince Adam. I, I thought that he had a striking resemblance to Prince Adam. That's true. He, he did. actually did.
1: Yeah. He did. I didn't even and, think about
0: that. And in the intro, there's also a Manny Faces
1: guy.
2: Yeah. He is, there definitely is. Like there's a, there's a lot of He-Man As, vibes. Yeah, As a there's matter a, fact, yeah. it looks
1: oh. like they were setting the, the, the man with many faces up to be like the primary bad guy of the series, it looks like. Mm. He you was see was the, the guy with lots times. of eyes? Well, he I mean, he, seen he this was
0: this in episode, the intro, so I can't <laughs> tell you. And like um, all, all of the main guards in, in, in this
2: episode look like uh, Ram Man. They do. They did, that's right. Well, there's only one guard. He's an actual individual who looks like Ram Man.
0: Although, you know, this was before He-Man, so technically He-Man would be ripping off this show. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, I think there's
2: a lineage here because all of these characters were designed by Jack Kirby. Um, And Jack Kirby and the groups at Marvel did a lot of the design for the G.I. Joe characters. Um, And there was a strong interest for Mattel to turn the G.I. Joe characters into a cartoon, and they did the same thing with the He-Man characters. Uh, it was a way to get around um, uh, an FCC ruling that said that you couldn't make shows from toys. So they would they would make a new property as a, car, a comic book, and then Mattel would make a cartoon out of that comic book, and they could make toys. So we get a sweet title card with awesome hands-around typography for the Fortress of Fear, and then we get a whang and we're right into the episode. And um, at this point, we're at one minute and six seconds, and we've covered the entire destruction of humanity and rebirth with super science. So this thing, and sorcery. Uh, yes, and sorcery. And uh, the the show doesn't drag. It it no. it moves along at a good clip. So I'd say one of the one of the big things that impressed me with uh, Thundar is the pacing. Yeah, it moves along really well. Um, so our heroes, they're, uh, they're riding across the wasteland on two horses and some weird, unidentified thing. Uh, we see mountains and ruined cars, and in the first few seconds, we totally establish what their roles are. So Thundar shouts the obvious action.
1: Um, a strong emphasis on shouts.
2: Right. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. everything is shouted.
1: This character's got one volume.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally
1: and he will not be muted
2: and he is very worried right now about wizards, I, I'm sure that will not come back to haunt us will um, not Yeah. Not Princess won't. Ariel is there and she's in charge of exposition um, yep.
1: uh, also <laughs> um, even though it's a little bit quieter shouting exposition the entire <laughs> yeah. time yep uh, just higher pitched shouting um,
2: and also Ukla is
1: also there Ukla's is my boy you I have so? no problem I have no problem with his tone. I think he strikes the perfect timber and uh uh I think that he has got a lot to say. Can people yeah. listened?
4: Can we also talk about the brass heavy soundtrack or sure. or I yeah
0: the
2: uh, I I did think the music would just sounded I don't know overproduced. Yeah. Uh, the mu- music and sound effects were definitely of their time.
4: It's very oh, yeah. dated.
2: Yeah. Uh, we also establish in our couple of opening shots that we are truly in a dark age for men's haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Thundar has, like, a bowl-cut mullet, like a bullet-cut. Uh, and Okla, his beard and his hair, uh, head hair, appear to be just one solid
1: object. Well, yeah, his his head yeah. hair grew into his neck hair, that grew into his back hair, which grew into his butt hair. So. Is he covered in
2: hair, I... or is he just... Is he just yellow?
1: I think he's supposed to be completely covered in hair.
4: No, he looks remarkably groomed. Like, there's no hair on the rest of his body. Have you noticed that? He must wax.
0: I'd like to point out that he never changes expression. His mouth may open and close, but nothing in his face changes. Well, he's a mock. I actually didn't
1: even really get that his mouth was opening and closing that much. My theory no, is
0: not that much, but sometimes. Uuklaw is
1: actually just a really big dude with a metal mask. Mm. That's it. Well, that's my. Well, that would that
2: would be more interesting than the actual fact that he's a cat person.
0: My, my, my theory was that they're sort of trying to lay the groundwork of some sort of terrible live-action version, and they're trying to design cheap costumes, and mm. and that's <laughs> like why a... his horse looks like two men in a pantomime horse costume. <laughs>
1: That so, so his, it's like his, a uh, like a Planet of the Apes type thing. that is preparing for those prostheses. Yes, <laughs> his
2: face design was very Jack Kirby, but it's it, like it's kind of hard because that, that like uh, the the mane of hair Kirby doesn't do that very often. He did it in like the New Gods and a couple other places, but that like that that hair object item um, is an odd construction.
4: For the no, production as well, I, I found it odd that they talked so much with their hands. It, I, they, it, I they have they to spent, assume
1: that had to be an ease of animation type thing. They I have to spent assume.
4: so much time talking with the wild swing of their hands. It's so different than the other animation of the time, which was to minimize like, the amount of cells that you had to actually have all these animators work
2: on. I, I mean, this this comes to the the fundamental like high quality of Thundar. Like, I feel like it has not aged well, but well, high budget. Not, uh, yeah, you know. it, it's it's, yeah. it's very well budget is not high quality. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty well drawn. It's very consistent. It's clear that like they've spent a lot on special effects, and a lot happens in a, in the episode. Like, it moves through a lot of locations very quickly. And the mm-hmm. script is pretty tight, uh, so it's like it's clear that they spent time yeah. to get this thing into the shape that they wanted. No, I. D- I and did have
1: a very strong memory when I was a kid of this being better animated. Like uh, yeah. it, for for whatever reason, I I was of the impression that this was a really high quality animated um, show, and I think that I think that, that really just speaks to the fact that it very well may have been at the time. Yeah, comparatively. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, so suddenly. Uh, our heroes find a collapsed human along the riverbank. And this is, like, within
1: three seconds of In the opening. Specifically, mm-hmm. Look there, there's a human!
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, this dude's this dude's name is Ulan, and Ulan looks like uh, Shaggy jacked off for 50 years and, like, drained all his fluids. He looks like <laughs> He's a like desiccated shit. Shaggy. <laughs> and we get, like... Maybe in the whole show we get exactly one close-up of what Ulan's face looked like, and it's horrific. Oh, yeah, that's Anyway, true. he yeah. he mumbles something about Van and Argoth, and uh, Ariel, who's in charge of exposition, tells us that Van is one of the seven citadels of sorcery. Um, Which sounds... <laughs> and to Mike's point, then she starts airboxing for drama.
3: Yeah.
2: and we learned that Argoth is the wizard of a thousand eyes and then right on cue a big old flashlight hits our boys
1: and even better Mm. is Ariel says right on cue (laughs) the patrol is here right
4: (laughs) I'm amazed at how many lights are on the outside of that spaceship
2: well that spaceship is the it poops out a couple machine men but it looks like a poor man's death star with lots of Gleebling on it.
1: Well, more specifically, a a poor man's uh, Star Destroyer, really.
2: Yeah, sorry. Star Destroyer, yeah. Uh, And uh, there's a short fight in which our crew focuses on the vulnerable hands and arms of the machine men, always the best point of any uh, opponent to attack.
1: And the most important part is you chop off an arm, and the machine man explodes Right. No, the most like important part wall. is
4: the machine man narrates everything that they're about to do. Yeah. I am going to attack now. We are now dropping down. We are going to attack the person.
0: <laughs> the most important part is violence against robots does not break any sort of broadcast codes. <laughs> yes, no,
2: exactly. that is the most <laughs> <Exactly>. important part. <laughs> According and, and to the is, MPAA. <laughs> that is why we get a stunningly spectacular scene in which the sun sword is actually used instead of uh, Just uh, Thundar's yeah, about. Thundar's uh, core skill of jumping at
1: people. Yeah. Now I got very confused here during when the Red Eyes attacked, um, because I thought Ukla's name was a Amok. He,
2: he is a mock.
1: And see, I didn't That's, I didn't get just, that from everything leading up to that, and I yeah. thought the robot men f- knew who he was. <laughs> I th- I thought the metal men were like. We got a mock, and I was like, "Oh, is a oh, mock nice. like an important figure in the wasteland? Are they like trying to to uh, ransom this guy off?" And I was disappointed later on when it turns out that they were just calling him by his race. It's a good uh, thing
4: to know that well, two thousand years in the his future, class, yeah. barbarians can still skip leg day.
1: Mike, I just did that joke. <laughs> <laughs> This is for I, a I love it, Mike. I love it, Mike. Do, do the same joke over and over again. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, just five minutes after I do it,
1: do the same joke. <laughs>
2: uh, well,
4: it's like when someone tweets something, and they get, like, two likes, and then someone else tweets it, and they get, like, a thousand likes.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, our, our heroes get captured uh, using because uh, the, uh, the cowardly machine men are using flashlight-based weapons, and they have a trash can that shoots Bola handcuffs.
1: That have uh, perfect aim. Like, oh, yeah. I, I got to say, during this entire fight, the the robots just, they just got, like, fucking owned left and right. But then they pull out probably the most complicated device they could use in a fight, and it worked perfectly right off the bat. And it was
2: enormous. Like, like it was yeah. a, a very large weapon. Why not leave uh, with in, that? And, and they all get tractor done uh, up onto the PMDS.
1: Importantly, so did their horses.
2: Oh, God, this is my favorite part. Everyone gets their own little glass cage, except for the horses. <laughs> the they're, horses. All, they're all squished
1: into one cage. <laughs> they got three of them scrammed in the space that, like, one normal-sized human would be able to fit inside of. All right, hey, look. It was awesome.
4: In 2,000 years, how do you think
1: glue is going to be made? Just think about with, that. With magic. I'm sorry, with super science and sorcery, Mike.
2: I have to think that in 2,000 years, that, um, th- most things will just naturally be sticky.
1: Especially after getting sprayed by cosmic rays the entire time. Yeah. Well, I I just wanted to say they did actually a really good job with some of the background art for trying to establish how apocalyptic all this is. Like, I I love the fact that they actually, the moon is like cracked in half and -hmm. there's like bits of debris coming off of it. Even 2,000 years later, the moon still hasn't. Reaccreted, reformed. And actually reformed.
2: Yeah, that. and and they are jumping over like ruined cars and stuff, which yeah.
1: probably won't last 2,000 years, but that, you know, we, cars with paint drops still intact, too. That's the important <laughs> part. Right.
2: Uh, anyway, on the FaceTime screen, we see Argoth, who is just a dude with a yellow handkerchief over his face. So, uh, At this point, uh, we land in Van Now, and uh, the guards there use flashlights to fuck up Thundar and Ukla. And then uh, bow-legged, slutty snake trollops come out and take Ariel off to be Argoth's bride. And the other thing that is a little weird about the economics of Van now is they sent out, like, a huge patrol with multiple, multiple robot guards to capture one human slave. That's right.
1: And and wasted those guards, because they got cut in yeah, half yeah. and destroyed.
2: But they seem like they seem like this is a total success for us. Mm-hmm. Like... How, how much did they spend, like thousands and thousands of whatever unit of currency they use? Well, think
4: about this. Where are the, yeah. where are the bureaucrats? Hmm. You don't have any budget analysts saying
1: hey, um... Oh, you know, I oh you're saying it, like Mike. the death of bureaucracy is yeah. really the oh. death of civilization. So you're saying that without you, the rest of us would be <laughs> fucked, is what you're saying. <laughs>
2: <I> wow, wow <laughs> it all comes back to you, doesn't it? How, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> we, we uh, Ukla Thundar and Ulan are thrown in with the other slaves, and they are appear. They're very sarcastic, and they seem like Super Stockholm Syndrome, where they're like, "You'll never escape," and like, "Wow, you like, you don't want that for yourself at all."
1: Yeah, and yeah, also they're,
2: they're really bought in.
1: Also, didn't one guy already just escape? Like, right? They just brought him back. Like, obviously, he's proven that it can happen. Right. It so it's like again? you'll
2: never escape for long. You'll never
1: yes. escape. Again.
2: Um, and, but we learned that Ukla and Thundar have escaped the, from a citadel of sorcery before. So we get a little backstory here.
1: Um, that's, meanwhile, that's, a- that's it. That's the backstory. Yeah. Meanwhile, that's the entirety a- of the backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a deep cartoon.
2: Uh, Ariel is getting perfumed up. And and see, then, that's uh- that's
1: another thing. How hard has it got to be to find perfume in the wastelands? Oh well, they have magic.
2: A cloud of smoke comes in through the window and becomes the wizard. Uh, anyway, it th- he must smell like ass and brimstone. Like, can you imagine what if you breathed
1: in some Argoth? What that would smell like? I don't know. Well, it's it's yellow smoke, so probably sulfur. But uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, maybe saltpeter that puts out a uh, pretty distinctive yellow gas. I'm assuming it uh,
4: smells like I. Yeah, because <laughs> like whatever kind of smell comes out of your eyes, <laughs> just a lot of eye smell. Yes. Yeah, he, he, t- he smells like eye crusties uh, <laughs> Could you imagine him waking up on the pillow? Ooh. Like what kind of what kind of shit is sitting on his pillow?
2: That maybe that's why he's got the the facerchief. Uh, anyway, he takes. He's like, I didn't, I didn't
1: have twenty minutes this morning to wipe all the sleep out of my eyes, so I'm just going to put the handkerchief uh, on. He takes
2: his he takes his 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 yellow handkerchief off, and he reveals that he has eyes all over his bald head and regular eyes. Um, this and, this uh, do they
4: have contacts in? like like that's another thing. How many times does he have to put contacts in?
2: Oh, are you? I mean, Argeth clearly got LASIK. Uh, yeah, I mean, you yeah. yeah. The laser I think to Adam's atoms? point, like
1: yeah. he matches successful. Yeah. No, super science. 2%. Lasik is super science. Hmm. Um, but I, this was a, another point in time in, the, in this cartoon that I was a little bit disappointed by the animation, because they revealed his eyes, and for this scene he did not blink once. <laughs> and he's got Uh, like hundreds of eyes all over his head that would be
4: scary for a kid to see like 20 Mm -hmm. eyes blinking independently maybe
2: they did it and they were just like ah it's horrific it (laughs) would be
4: horrific (laughs) I I mean seriously if I saw like those eyes blinking that would add way too much realism to the moment
2: do you think if you had eyes like that you could like do the wave around your head (laughs) Yes, as they all blinked in circular motion
4: I could imagine it would be like a chameleon would they be looking in different directions at different times I, well, I think
1: that this is actually uh, uh, I think that there's more of an autonomic response to this where he actually does blink in unison all the time like it's natural for him to blink in unison just like the rest of us can you unless, imagine the
2: sound of that
1: unless he has <laughs> that uh, uh, Harry Potter disease um, what is it that, what's the kid's name what's the Harry Potter kid name Harry Potter yeah the, the kid that played Harry Potter Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. He has this genetic con- condition where his blinking doesn't actually line up. And if you watch him, if, after you know that, if you watch his films, you'll oh see that he, he blinks at you, different you, times always. Congratulations, you, you've you ruined all his damn it. You,
4: for me now. Damn it, Adam, you've ruined it. <laughs> you, like I
1: I can't watch Equus again. I cannot uh,
4: watch <laughs> it. I can't watch that one. Uh, I, I can't watch Swiss Army Man.
2: Ever Swiss again. Man. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I sort of like the design of this guy. He's like wonderfully hokey. Uh, enjoyable. And he threatens that he's going to marry Ariel. Uh, just okay. one of the many times that uh, women on this show are really just treated like garbage. Whoa well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Thondar and Ukla are working on the assembly line to make more machine men, uh, which are basically made by pouring cake batter into uh, an assembly line snow angel. And then slapping the two halves together. And the second I saw those two halves together, I was like, oh, somebody's going to get in there. Which of course you predicted
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
2: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, all the circuits and stuff that make the Machine Men work is added in Argath's crib. Uh, And uh, Ulan gets flashlighted for talking. And then Thundar jumps. No, no, no. no.
1: First, Thundar utters the best line and best line (laughs) delivery I have heard in a long time. He's weary! He needs water! Food! (laughs) I could, honestly, like, I had to go back and listen to that like four times. It's so fucking funny to me. (laughs) Uh, I just saw that.
2: (laughs) And so Thundar and Ukla take out all the guards
1: fairly easily
2: and then they hide inside the Messina and shells. And also, like,
1: Ukla, he was, like, so gentle with the guards, too. Like, Thundar would like, jump up, he does his jump and move, grabs a guard, throws a guard, and then Ukla gently catches the guard, cradles him for a moment, tosses him to the side where he can land gently.
2: Oh, yeah. Good point. Ukla, Ukla is, catches a lot of people. He does. He's really uh, the unspoken like facilitator of most of uh, Thundar's jump problem.
4: Well, that's because he doesn't have that's any right. dialogue.
1: Well, the best part is, at this point in time, they look at the middle men... And they said, let's hide in these shells. Yeah. And Thundar is twice as big as any other metal man, and Ukla is about three times the size yeah. of the metal man. Yet somehow they managed to comfortably fit inside the shells.
2: Well, they, they ride the conveyor belt into the fortress, and they, they pop out, but, punch, punch some more metal men.
1: But then, even even before that, though, they, they, they are on this conveyor belt suddenly. However, in the scene right before that they showed that ukla had to transfer the produced shells of the metal men onto the next conveyor belt for that to go off so they they're missing like a key comp- they get in the shells where they're missing the key component of moving the shell from the conveyor belt in the factory over to the citadel i it I just mean, it I, took me out of it completely like i was <laughs> it, it was so, I, I
2: will say in thundar's dispen- defense like that is probably the biggest continuity error because it's, it's fairly consistent in terms of, like, it goes A to B to C to D. Like, it does That's not true. deviate from those, from the story beats.
1: And and I don't mean to dominate here, but, like, honestly them riding the conveyor belt occasionally popping out of a shell to punch a metal man and then going back in the shell, I honestly could have had 20 minutes of that. Like, mm. I, I thought that that was some of the funniest shit. That was, like, Laurel and Hardy... Three Stooges. <laughs> it, it was like perfect comedic timing for like the robots just like opening a machine, putting in circuits, opening a machine, putting in circuits, getting decked by a giant Catman.
2: Yeah. Catman goes think back to the, the
1: show, rides off.
2: You think the conveyor belt is just a big loop, and they could have just like punched that one machine man over and over and over again?
1: Probably, actually. Yeah. If it would have been I, like a rocket suck him, robots. The head would have yeah. like popped nah, up at some I, point. I
4: can't believe it because he. it looks like he skips leg day. So he couldn't hop out like that. <laughs>
2: it's only a callback that gets funny, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I that, don't
4: know. That, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not my shtick. <laughs>
2: uh, anyway, uh, they pop out and they find their own flashlights. And uh, oddly enough, these flashlights that I find, they are pink and purple and suspiciously ribbed. <laughs> They're different from any of the other flashlights.
0: And there's a whole table full of them. <laughs> and Thundar takes one. Yeah, Thunder
2: takes one. And Ooglach doesn't take any of them. <laughs> uh, Ooglach doesn't need them. Cut-rate cut, cut Wookiee don't need no weapons. Uh, anyway, uh, the alarm goes off and they potato run to find Ariel. Which, of course, they find her in the bedroom. And they are stabbed by Gasgoth. Uh, who fucks everybody up by shooting beams in every direction from his eyes, which, which I loved. He That's does what I blink. went back and watched four times.
4: He blinks then, and it's yeah. really creepy.
1: No, at that, that point in time, he does blink, but he, he doesn't blink in unison. It's all it, Daniel it's, Radcliffe blinking.
2: Yeah. I I enjoyed that very much, just, like, laser shooting off in every direction from his head.
1: It was I liked great. That too. What I liked even more was he brought his hands up at that point in time, And when he brought his hands up, you could see that he had eyes on his hands as well. Oh my god,
2: you're right. Yes, (laughs) that was great. Uh, Commercial break at this point.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, um, Giant head, multiple eyeballs blinking with laser shooting outs, too commercial.
2: Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) great intro for that Sizzler uh, Steakhouse commercial that is clearly going to play (laughs) after that.
1: Um, Are they marketing uh, Sizzler Steakhouse to kids? (laughs) You're you're right.
0: That is an an amazing eyes to commercial.
1: I know it is, yeah. (laughs) Argoth Um, eyes to commercial.
2: So, uh, Argoth spent some time taunting Thundar, uh, and then Thundar blocks his i beams with a serving tray, and this collapses the fortress dome, which we all knew was going to be happen because in the establishing shot of the fortress, it wasn't painted like the background; it was cell rendered, and we we're like, that shit's gonna fall apart.
1: Oh my god, that's uh, right. I did not get that. You did <laughs> oh, no back <laughs> in
4: the day, you could always tell what's going to be destroyed or or, or what's going to happen because you could tell it's it in a different color.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's the death of Poochie all over again. It's oh suspiciously, suspiciously more in focus. Um, I, I think an important part that's that's missed here, though, is um, before that happens, um, Argoth very nicely hands Thundar his sword back in the middle well, of the Well, yeah, fight. he, like, taunts him with it. He taunts him with it, then just, really, like, gives it to him. Not I to pay say, too
4: much attention to Thundar's physique, but he it, does have really good calves.
1: It comes, oh, yeah. Uh, so you're saying he didn't skip like day, Mike? I, mm-hmm.
4: I I think that he targets. Maybe he got calf implants like that.
2: Ooh. No, I mean uh, you've seen how much he jumps. That's yeah, true. He's,
1: he's working it. When you jump, you jump with the calf, Mike. It's all calf work.
2: Mm-hmm. No thigh.
1: No no thigh. Uh, but no, I think this just kind of speaks to like the the entire fight process in the this entire cartoon. It always seems to be that like like you were saying, Matt. It's flat-footed jump at the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then the enemy either falls over or like gives you the thing that you were trying to get from them. Because it, it very distinctly looks like it's just being handed over.
4: How exactly do they run across the cotton candy out of the dome?
2: Oh yeah, so Ariel makes a purple jizz beam. Yeah, what's yeah. up with that? And she
1: did it without she, the fleshlight.
2: Yeah, no, but she's, she does magic. She does episode, Yeah, this whole episode she's been magically thwarted. She yeah. magically cock blocked because she had manacles on.
0: There's no real reason they couldn't just gone out through the door.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, well, drama.
0: So It's, she's, it's she's also interesting that she didn't.
1: Her instinct wasn't, oh, I'm going to create like some sort of shield to block the debris that's falling from the ceiling. It's, oh, I'm going to create a bridge a at a yeah. 60 degree angle.
2: At this point, uh, they have escaped from the Fortress of Fear. And they go about rescuing the slaves and their horses, of course. Yep. There's a lot of care taken for the continuity of those horses. I feel like the writers were like, okay, at the end of this episode, we have to have those horses. So they need to get… they need to get um, a tractor beamed up into the ship. We mm-hmm. need to see that where they get put by the guards, and they need to get rescued with the slaves.
1: Honestly though, that that does kind of speak to the entire as you were talking about before, that kind of speaks to the entire script writing process in general. It seems like they, they did a lot to establish continuity with everything. Even yeah, if it's it was like tight. raw exposition, they still had like payoffs for all the exposition that they were actually throwing out there. And there's was, not a
2: lot of there's not a lot of fat. Yeah. Everything is like paying off
1: something that they have set up. They did a really good job of that.
0: Well it's 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 important for these this uh episodic adventure town type stories.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's true. One thing that I did like at this point in time, they had um this this was when as I was watching this cartoon the first time around, I realized um just how non-violent it was because they mm, have like a yeah. couple of more skirmishes. Yeah. And I had the overwhelming desire to just see Thundar jump up, grab a guy <laughs> and throw him to Ooklaw. And just have Ukla totally rip the guy in half and start eating his entrails. I don't know why I really wanted to see that at that point in time.
2: Yeah, but instead Ukla takes the guy and in the middle of this dark fortress, just throws him into a random blush tree. Yep. that softly cushions his blow.
0: Well, Adam, you, you could look up what the uh, rights to Thunder are, and we could uh, do our own reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait,
2: that's a different our, podcast we got to okay. do our, our, our uh, Zack Snyder style.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, like it wouldn't be Zack Stor- Snyder dark uh, uh, superhero style. It's, it would really be the exact same thing with one horrific random act of violence shoved in there somewhere. Hmm. Or just a shot. I mean, I, I think we should do it the way he did to
2: Watchmen. Just like a shot-for-shot remake that of feels U-Kla's terrible. Dong? No, no yeah.
0: okay. <laughs> We do it right at the beginning, and then we put Ukla just sort of in the back of all the rest of the shots for the for the series. So, he's just, just like covered in black. so you're just waiting for him to do something else.
1: But he, but the entire time he never does. Yeah, just slow pan over him.
2: Uh, at this point, Thundar leads everyone into the conveniently positioned Forbidden Jungle, and we learn that magic doesn't work in the Forbidden Jungle because of reasons. Yep. Uh, and Argoth uses his jewelophone uh to call a a a, sick, a giant hairy cyclops on our boys. Um I called him two tone one cone. Oh god. Oh nice. Cuz cuz he had the the black beard and the uh gray the brown body hair.
1: This this was when I really got Clash of the Titan vibes. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: This is when I really couldn't stand the lack of contractions. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you were upset by that. I, I, I Wait, could this is when you could not stand. I could lack. not
4: stand the lack that they could not say can't for the life of them. And it's the, the dialogue was so drawn out. I understand uh, that I, I this think is, that is in the future, but come on, people.
1: I, I, I do like Matt's joke from earlier here, though. How much more expensive it is for animators to draw contractions
2: yeah it is it's it's backbreaking um, also th- because of that they, they developed an in lore reason that, uh, that contractions were all destroyed in the great contraction wars uh, around the year 1000
4: <laughs> and yet at the same time
2: they please, couldn't say contraction please, please don't do a like Plague day, Joe. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Damn it. I hate you.
2: Uh, so at this point, they r- arrive at the Labrea Brea Tar Pits. I'm sorry, at Labrea Brea Tar Pits, uh, which is a source of natural asphalt. Uh, the Cyclops attacks and snatches up Ariel.
0: Well, I, 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 I want to stop there. So they're at the La Brea Tar Pits, and this giant shadow looms over them. They're clearly <laughs> doing a dinosaur misdirect.
2: Mmm. Mm. but nice. the um the, the Cyclops is enormous
1: what well, they they did show before that though didn't they show the t-rex skeleton skeleton
2: yeah fully fully intact so
1: they they definitely were doing a dinosaur fake out hmm classic dinosaur fake out um just like that whoopi Goldberg movie
2: <laughs> thunder can't rescue area because a bunch of dipshit slaves are cannot. sinking into the tar pits Thunderer cannot. He cannot rescue Ariel because of the slaves who are like all over. They're like all over that uh, skeleton just sinking into the tar pits, um, and they are pathetic yeah. in every way, just like all men. Besides, yes, beca-
0: because the Cyclops grabs them and then throws them away instead of squishing them like grapes.
1: That's right. Release him. That's that's actually the new type of martial art in the future where you just throw everybody constantly. Yeah,
4: (laughs) and I love how one eye is an insult.
1: Yes,
2: it's
0: very Uh, ableist.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Thundar has a real fixation on the the eyes of his uh, opponents. He's got red eyes. He's got one eyes.
4: Multi eyes. He's got
2: Um, sorcerer of a million eyes. Yeah, Thundar and Ukla now Tarzan swing themselves to catch up to the Cyclops, Uh, and we see that Ariel is showing off some natural asphalt of hers for herself on the Cyclops' shoulders. Ooh. This was like c- clearly the money shot of yeah. the episode. Um,
4: she does not skip leg day.
2: <laughs> she she does the squats.
4: <laughs> she does
2: the squats. <laughs> um, and uh, of course Thundar jumps and knocks Hair Shirt down the, down the cliff to rescue Ariel. And uh, she falls and is caught by Ukla. Dust can... Yeah. Complete it rhymes, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, a, it's a great
1: symmetry for Ukla, too. Yeah. Like he, he catches the enemies. He also catches his allies. He's yeah. just there to catch everybody.
2: And she seems kind of into it. She's like, yeah. I, she's like, I had a soft landing because of Ukla. Do you think that was like a neg at Thundar, or do you think he was just like, we're fucking? Dude. When,
0: when there was only one set of footprints in the sand, that's when Ukla <laughs> was carrying you.
3: That's when <laughs> <laughs> Ukla <laughs> was carrying <laughs> me. That's the t shirt. That's there the t shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, back at the Tar Pits, uh, uh, Argath ass smokes himself in but for the finale. Wait,
1: wait, no. First, like there were a couple of key points for the uh, uh, Cyclops fight. Uh, first off, Thundar, he has the Sun Sword, right? And it stands to reason the Sun Sword should be magic. Mm. I was really hoping that when he turned on the Sun Sword, it would just sort of, like, come out all limp and flaccid. Ooh.
3: Mm. It oh like yeah,
1: it like a sun whip almost, but like, like him like That's shaking th- it, trying to get it to work, but like it's just like flopping around.
2: It's a whip.
1: Okay, this is mm-hmm. a cartoon, lim- not lim- your
2: own
4: inadequacies. And uh, and then the,
0: uh, then the cyclops would say, "Maybe we can try this
2: fight again in five minutes." <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's exactly. not
4: y- mm. it's, it's not you. It's me.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that the cyclops is so like caring.
4: Why did Thundar only chop off the club instead of his hands?
2: Uh, well, because this was actually a living creature, so he couldn't, due to uh, broadcast yeah. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't actually chop off the hands of the Cyclops, so they, they went with the club. But, I mean, the Sun Sword's clearly technology because it's, it's basically a lightsaber, right? They, there's a heavy no, Star true. Wars vibe
1: Yeah,
2: overall. Um, anyway, back at the tar pits, uh, Argath just uh, ass-smokes himself in, and he starts shouting that uh, he has enough magic to kill everyone uh, because of reasons. And uh, he blasts eye beams everywhere. Uh, and I also enjoyed that scene very much, so that I went back and watched it high. Uh, it, his <laughs> eyes, he shoots eye beams out of his palm eyes, uh, and it's uh, it's madness, obviously. And then all of a sudden, he just starts shouting, "No, no!" Uh, and Thundar tells us that his magic is gone. So uh, Thundar runs at him and uh, he falls slash perhaps is pushed into the tar pits uh, and tries to turn into gas to escape uh, but he sinks underneath the tar and this whole bit just feels like an executive rewrite it's like no Thundar can't kill Argath Thundar can't uh, even really hit Argath uh, he has to die basically because of his own Incompetence. inability to plan ahead
1: and well in all fairness arrogance. He, he did not die they specifically said that he did not die.
2: Well, they say they're not sure. They, if he's they dead. speculate. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, at this point, the slaves decide to build a city, and I, uh, by just a, a quick Google search, a Google Maps search, I think they're basically doing this in Beverly Hills, or <laughs> or maybe Crenshaw.
4: I'd say Encino. I I don't think Encino because C- uh, he looks like an Encino man.
2: I don't think Encino is that close (laughs) to um, the La Brea Tar... uh, Sorry, La Brea
4: I I think Brendan Fraser would make a really good Thundar.
2: Hmm. Hmm. He does shout a lot. For Thundar.
1: Probably, more likely, Dave Bautista.
2: Well... Mm.
4: If you're pulling from now...
2: In a wig? I want to see that. In a a blonde mullet
1: wig? (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but
4: Dave Batista doesn't skip leg day.
3: <sighs>
1: uh, uh, I, so just, I just love the side, that It's perfect. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, they, uh, they offer our crew to stay within their new perfect civilization, but uh, they decide to write off to free all people. And uh, that's pretty much it. We get credits, and we get to see the Ruby Spears logo, which is pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. And that is Thundar, Season 2, Episode 2, The Fortress of Fear. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, Thunder of the Barbarian. Excellent. When do we go yeah. into the uh, in-depth research here?
2: Uh, well, how, what did you guys overall think of... Thunder! This at uh, this episode. Of oh Barbering.
4: God! It's like Scooby Doo meets Conan the Barbarian.
2: Well, it was in, it was written by the same people who invented Scooby Doo. So it was, yeah.
1: Yeah. I I honestly like halfway through the first time watching it, I was dreading the fact that I was going to watch it two or three more times <laughs> yeah. just to get notes. <laughs> yes. And mm. and and the main reason why is the fucking voice acting. Mm. Like yeah. it just—I don't know who thought it was a good idea to just tell them <clears throat> scream into the microphone.
2: I feel like a lot of kid shows are actually like we don't like, remember it, this, but a lot of kid shows are it, like this and used to be like this. This
0: yeah. is
1: what I'm dreading. Mm.
0: And
2: you get halfway through it, and they're going to a
0: second location. You're like, is this yep. show, is this show still happening? Is, yeah. Am I only halfway through this?
1: Alright, so we're no now mix. talking about Brave Star. Mm. Episode 44. The Barbarian mm. Tex but No Hex. Mm. Preach, brother. First off, for a Brave Star, takes place or I should say was created in a very different time frame than Thundar. Uh, it was released 1987 to 1988. Ooh, now, the interesting thing about Thundar was that there was, uh, they had certain FCC regulations in place to ensure that there wasn't direct advertising to kids. In 1982, during the Reagan administration, You're here. Uh, a gentleman named uh, Mark S. Fuller was appointed as chairman of the FCC. And he, deregul- he deregulated a ton of FCC guidelines. He himself no felt that the free market should take care of any problems that popped up in advertising to children. And this is why we
2: all have brain cancer. That Citizens United.
1: So, this is actually probably one of the reasons why Matt had a, a Brave Star lunchbox but never saw the show. Because Mattel actually released action figures and all of the peripheral um, products associated with Bravestar in 1986. Nice. A full year before Bravestar was even released as a cartoon.
2: That would make sense.
1: So this was a bit of an issue. Um, One of the interesting things is also this was made by uh, Filmation. Filmation is a production studio that also made the original Ghostbusters, not the real Ghostbusters. Mm. Brave uh, Star.
2: Filmation is known for doing very cheap productions.
1: Yes, yes, and e- they even had like quite a bit of live action, didn't they? Uh, yeah, they had some live action as well.
4: Now, yeah. is is this like one of the original ones, like the 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 forerunners in terms of like marketing to kids?
1: With no, 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 no. no. That, those would be like Transformers and GI Joe. Basically, as soon as everything was deregulated, um, that—that's what we all remember. I, yeah. I would say this is a
2: second or third generation, like knockoff copy of yeah. that business model.
1: I, th- I think that is correct. I
4: think that is
2: correct. So, so all parents right
4: now can like thank these generation of cartoons for the LOL Shopkin things of this generation. In terms of, these are the ones that marketed a cartoon primarily for the purposes of selling shit to our kids.
1: Well, this this was part of the problem. I wouldn't say that this was necessarily the precursor. Because I think that this was, like, well entrenched in that time frame when yeah. all of this stuff was being marketed to kids. This was after they
0: had gotten that business model on the assembly line. This was yeah. one yeah. of the products they churned out on the assembly line.
3: Okay.
1: Now, now, to the assembly line, too, the action figures they made for Bravesar were a bit unusual for the time frame. Because they were actually 8-inch figurines. They were actually huge figurines. Mm-hmm. Like and the original uh, a lot of them had kind of like cool um, add-ons. They had like a... a What do they call it? A laser-fire backpack.
4: So all so, the thousands of accessories that you could buy in addition.
1: Well, they actually came with a lot of these accessories, apparently. the The laser-powered backpack actually shot an infrared beam, and it made a uh, really cool space-age sounds, apparently. <laughs> Blinded so, kids. Cool. Yeah. Before the age of like litigation. So, um, turns out Bravestar was not necessarily the cash cow they were looking for, though, because Filmation went out of business pretty much as soon as they produced and released Bravestar.
2: Yeah, the business model that I heard for a lot of Film. A lot of animation studios was they would, uh, they would get some funding from whoever commissioned the cartoon, but maybe like fifty percent, and then they'd have to go partner with someone else in order to get the rest of the money to actually produce the cartoon in the hopes of making a profit, and that's why a lot of them ended up being getting purchased by other production companies, getting kind of eaten, or going out of business.
4: Did you really have a lunchbox? Yeah, Brave Brave
2: Star. Yeah. It had the horse on it.
1: Oh, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so, they, they did also make a Brave Star movie. Um, no. Uh, it was a 91-minute movie. <laughs> it was a feature-length film. Hmm. Yep, yep, they did. Uh, it actually showed in movie theaters. Um, it. They had how, a bit of an issue with release because it was typically relegated to weekend matinee shows, and it really only opened in select markets. But it it was a feature film.
2: Your new, your New Yorks, your LAs. Now,
0: now Probably, was it new footage yeah. or was it three episodes squished together?
1: It, from what I understand, it was new footage. Um, the the co creator and the guy that wrote the show bible for Brave Star uh, actually got in on the movie. So, ching Yep, yep. So here. Is this My a good notes. time
4: to segue right into it?
1: Yeah, let's 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 dig into this. Do, puppy. do you guys want some of the, like the background for the story itself? Because I found it when I when I watched it, I found it super confused. I shouldn't say super confusing. I found it a bit confusing.
2: No, no. no let's embrace the confusion. Okay, let's. Okay, sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's take it. For, like, I think we should yes. take it in the, within the context to how the show is presented to us, right. like here. Okay. okay, ingest ingest this hot pile of garbage. All right, star so, wipe go.
1: Start with <laughs> a. Uh, establishing shot of Fort Carium, um, the main headquarters for Bravestar. And we actually get to see a incredibly diverse crowd of humans and various aliens as we mm-hmm. pan across towards Bravestar's sheriff's office. Now... Both the character design and the set
2: design in this show seems significantly more detailed and attention-filled than
1: writing that that is absolutely true I was going to say that a lot of the design they have for um, the background but also just like the gadgets that everybody use there's a, a lot of care and detail put into trying to create more of a visual world but the writing just blows
4: like the t- <laughs> like the toasters attached to the horse um, tie up thingies
1: yes yes exactly mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thing, the horse
2: tie-up thingies.
1: One thing that really drew my eye, though, was the uh, multi-armed prostitute in the background that was hugging her John. I really I missed that. that. It was uh, very close to the beginning. Um, oh,
4: right after the busty woman with the kid.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so we pull oh, into yeah, uh, look at that. To our main characters. We have uh, Fuzz, the deputy, um, 3030, the horse, horseman, anthropomorphic horseman, mm-hmm. and Bravestar. What about yeah, the toasters? I don't think the toasters had a title at, at this point, at least. They probably, they probably have some uh, key grip uh, credits at the end that I didn't see. Um, very quickly, it's established that it's a quiet day in New Texas at Fort Carium. Uh, mm-hmm. New Texas is the name of the planet. Um, so it's not Mars. So it's not Mars. I, I thought, thought it was, it was Mars, Mars initially, too. Yeah, me too. But it's not Mars. Um, everybody's bored. There's no, nothing going on. There's no action. Uh, they're not even hearing from Tex Hex, the uh, apparently main bad guy. We
2: do get, though, uh, 3030 uh, pronounced giving my favorite pronunciation of Tex Hex. Not even a word from Tex Hex.
1: Tex Hex. Tex Hex. Yeah. 3030 obviously steals the show for the most part. Um, Suddenly, they get an alarm from uh, Molly, and the way that Bravestar receives this alarm so goes into the detail of the background of the gadgets is he has an antenna sticking out of his cowboy hat, and he presses the side of the cowboy hat, and a little microphone pops down for him to Mm -hmm. be able to talk to whoever is calling him. Obviously, it's just a very futuristic Bluetooth headset, which...
2: Well, this is a pre-cell phone,
1: but...
4: I've never this had a cowboy hat that has that, so that's pretty cool. That's
3: I've never had a, I'm, never I'm actually had a cowboy thinking hat.
1: We could probably produce this for relatively cheap. Maybe this should be one of our merch items here. Mm. Do you know a having blu- a Bluetooth self ex- cowboy hat?
4: Yeah, but having a self-extending microphone is actually very difficult because they break all the time.
1: That's true. That is true. So and then we'd
4: have returns, and I don't want to deal with returns.
1: We quickly find out that a uh, one Molly uh, is being chased by Tex-Hex and his goons. And um, specifically, she is saying that she is, she's not in, but she's heading towards Ambush Gully in an attempt to get away from her (laughs) ambushers.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah.
3: While she's foreshadowing there, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. While she's explaining this to. I'm on the
2: way to get murdered town.
1: <laughs> While she's explaining this to Bravestar, and she's she's flying a hover stagecoach, she's whipping something. Like, she has a whip in her hand, and she even goes, which! She's whipping something. And I couldn't see. She didn't even have any horses attached to it. She didn't even have any robot horses attached. It was just a hover wagon.
3: I yeah, just, it was like self driving. And she I just, just felt like the need the- to whip
4: animation at the time where their face looks like all of their eyes and mouths are going in different directions at one time. It, it just it looks unsettling oh. to me.
3: So
2: a lot of the animation in this show was rotoscoped. Heavily rotoscoped. So they traced a lot of film and photos to draw people. And there's a lot of mix between like very poorly tr- traced photography and original character designs. And traced character designs.
4: Is that what uh. makes that look kind of surreal to the eye? Yes.
2: Uh, yes. That. G- that c- c- if okay. you do it poorly, it can give a really. It weird sounds effect. fancy, so I'll. But buy it's it. very fast. Yeah, the rotoscoping is very. F- it's a very fast way to do it because you just draw over every cell of uh, a film. So you're a tracer. Yeah, you're, essentially, yes.
4: So you're not an animator or an artist. You're a tracer.
2: Rotoscoping. It's
0: the motion capture of two D.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's very well put. Actually, <laughs> it's not fancy. So, during this whole exchange here, suddenly Brave Star is like, "All right, we gotta go help Molly," and and I want to talk about timing here at, uh-huh. this, at this point in time. Absolutely, um, because this starts off a scene where he mounts thirty thirty.
2: Thirty thirty transforms into a, a re- yeah. the shape of a regular horse. Yes. yes.
1: Now we now we're now. not we're not actually showing the transformation. No, we are. He just is in the shape of another horse of a oh. of a horse.
0: Well, maybe not here, but but we are during the show.
1: No, now, no, yeah, yeah we, in, we do see it later. In the past, on. we we know.
4: But, like, is this the first episode, or is this well into this season? Well, this first. is we're this well is in. well
3: into
1: the series. This is so, uh, episode forty four. So, so we, we know they, we know this is a thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, now I assume now he has robotic limbs. And yes. his yeah,
2: he's he's really just a horse torso. His
0: yes. limbs do not transform the way transformers do by just realigning their mechanical parts. He has no. like a magical girl transformation in order to go from humanoid to horse
3: form.
1: Yes. yes. As a matter of fact, I think that would and have been much more apropos if when he does transform he spins. Yes. Like a Power Ranger. But he Well I was thinking of Wonder perform, Woman, but yeah.
3: No had uh, well, yeah, you had, yeah, like you had me yeah.
1: at magical girl, so <laughs> So, this, this kicks off an extended riding scene while whipping his hat around.
2: Oh, and, and smacking and the horse. And
1: spanking the horse. Yes. And the entire time, they go into close-ups of, of the horse's face, of 30-30's face, and you can see him grimacing while he is being spanked.
2: There is a strong... Okay, let's, let's the- get to it. There is a strong sexual... I wouldn't even call it an undertone. I would say
1: that it is the tone. This is a very erotic cartoon. It is crazily erotic.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a jack tune.
4: I, I this think this th- is. I, I think that is a really interesting interpretation that you're taking with this.
1: Did, oh, oh,
2: really, Purvisoid?
1: Did, yeah. did Did you watch the erotic I mean, the, this, this is what solidifies it for me. And in, in at about the like 30 second mark I was like, okay, this is filler they just needed to like put in some time so they're showing him riding his horse but then when he smacks the horse's ass and you can see the horse biting its lip and grimacing
2: yeah the horse who has who is dressed up in heavy BDSM gear with it like a huge uh, grabbable mane of white hair uh, it's it's distressing. I, I, want, I want you I, to run I, I, I for thirty seconds. I don't want to judge. I don't want to kink shame. Actually, that, you know, like it, it's no, fine. Yeah. Whatever. It's just as a kids' cartoon.
1: And see, it's, I have an overall th- theory about this entire cartoon, actually, and a lot I, of it. A lot of it is steeped in sexuality and like. I, I how, can't imagine that they, that
2: the animators were oblivious to what they were doing. They couldn't have been. They couldn't have been.
4: Since there is a conscious effort to animate every scene. Then, yes. But at the same time, if you were to run as fast as you can for 30 seconds with a GoPro trained on your face, I'm pretty sure you'd be grimacing too. Yeah, regardless well, if anyone was whipping you or not.
1: But it's, this it's, isn't,
2: it's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, you it, can it, give the horse any face you want.
1: It, it, well, and the thing is, like, I, I have seen horses that have run flat out for, for like, uh, minutes at a time. And they don't—they don't like bite their lips. They're not like—they're not like ooh. They're just—they're just snorting. That's it. He,
2: when he there's a definite reaction shot when. Uh, when he gets spanked. When he gets spanked. Yeah. And it's 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 pain mixed with pleasure.
1: It definitely is. All right, like, I,
2: David.
1: Are, totally you like add, <laughs> uh, are you star able
3: wife to like star wife Are you able to are you are you able <laughs> okay. to like
4: add that one scene where he gets whipped? Just for reference. Into this. Well, this isn't a visual yeah. media mic. You want so. that to
1: be the thumb? Yeah,
3: <laughs> the, the, that's how the about, thumb. How about <laughs> thumb? we, we just... Yeah. That will be, be the thumb. Th-
2: th- Adam and I will reenact it. Adam, you
3: be... You. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be well, the I, horse.
1: Well, the, the important thing is also the... Um, it, it, we don't see it here. We'll see it like later through the transformation. But when thirty thirty transforms back into his anthropomorphic form. He is straight up he is totally wearing S and M gear.
2: Oh yes. Oh yeah. And he, and the way he like struts around and walks his yeah. his chest is all for thor- he it's highly oh. sexualized.
4: Oh. Isn't the horse a man?
1: Isn't the horse a man? Yeah. And you know he's a man because he wields his blunderbust, yep. like it's a giant fucking dong.
2: He's a man. He's a man's man horse. He loves to fight. He uh, <laughs> want. He loves conflict. He wants to get whipped. He has a giant gun.
4: I have a lot of confusion. right
1: It's okay. I'm sure a lot of kids did when they watched this back in the day, and I f- I feel like
4: I, I feel like a, a school child right now.
1: I feel like it's it's almost a good thing. It's good to give people the opportunity to explore these feelings. Mm. Um, You're saying this is like an awakening cartoon. Yeah, and I, and I think that it, I do think that it's a good thing, and I also think it's an indictment on society at the time too. But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so so we we pick up Starwipe away from the magical horse ride. <laughs> Molly's escaping from the carrion bunch by uh, uh, switching a gear on her uh, hover wagon and and creating a smoke screen. And this is the first of many times that I I said to myself, they're all flying. Well, yeah, exactly. Why don't they just go above it? Why don't they just Uh, pull up?
4: Well, what if they're too close behind that they can't physically get out of the smoke screen?
1: Well, that's the reason why they would pull up. If they pulled up hard enough, they could get out of the smoke screen and see where they're they're driving. Uh,
4: I'd also like to point out at this point that just as you said, it's very easy to pull up. It's very easy to pull out, but yet so many people don't. So oh. <laughs> there's there's the parallel to that.
1: No, I I just love the fact that every single joke is Mike tells a really, really bad joke, followed by Matt having a horrendous sigh and then me just cackling maniacally. <laughs>
2: That's because you get off on pain. You're the
1: you're the thirty <laughs> thirty of this podcast. That's, that's, right, that's, right, sh- right,
4: that's right. That's our stick. That's our so just that's, that's my call sign. 30/30. Out, thirty thirty. You cannot pull
2: up. Dirty thirty, buddy. Um, so what happens when Brave Star catches up with Texxex and his game? Well,
1: as soon as he catches up, uh, he 30/30 at first transforms into a into his anthropomorphic shape mm-hmm. and. Pulls out his blunderbuss In, into time. his.
2: Uh, would he be a fuck boy
1: or is he a a, a, a fuck or what is he? I don't know. I don't know. I think fuck boy might be good. I think he also might just be a bear. I think he might just be like a rough trade mm. leather daddy. You think he's a top? No, no. He's definitely a bottom, but he does present himself as a top. He's like a power he's, bottom.
2: Yeah, he's a power bottom. Says the four straight guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you think David no, I was, I was going
0: to say power bottom but you
1: oh, you, but, were. But uh, you got there I beat you to it <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> of course he got there alright so uh, it's at this point in time that they, they handily beat the Carrion gang and uh, the ones that do not get beaten right off uh, scared but Tex Hex sticks around because he will not be stopped. No. Uh, he, he has to get Bravestar, no matter what. And the important thing is here is he has the chance to fight his mortal enemy, Bravestar, or 30-30. He, he first turns into smoke to get away, gets, gets off to some distance, and then he uses his hex powers by holding out one finger... With a very limp wrist, mm-hmm. like a very like almost effeminate gesture. Yeah, and he focuses it on thirty thirty. He has the option of attacking either Brave Star or thirty thirty, and he goes after thirty thirty first. Uh, doesn't even try to go after Brave Star. He's totally focused on thirty thirty, and this is when he gets called away by Stampede.
2: Yeah, he's interrupted by a giant sentient cloud of. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, uh, a techno mechanical uh, bison dragon or something.
1: Yes. Called called
2: that everyone seems aware of and no one seems bothered
1: by. It's named Stampede. Exactly. Well, Tex Hex doesn't to be bothered by it. Tex Hex is like, oh shit! You know, I got to go report to the boss. He's here. All right. We'll we'll continue this later. Here's here's the point that I got to. I couldn't tell what Stampede was. Was he a dragon? Well, he,
2: he he appears to be some sort of Draco lich. I th- I believe in the lore that he is actually like a um, uh, a a bronco crossed with a dinosaur. That is a lich. He is incomprehensible. I had a, I had a very hard time with the well, audio for Stampede,
1: and and even the visual because he's surrounded by smoke the entire time and he moves around and he does look like a dragon. But then they do like a shot from the back when he's moving to like go into a hole or something. And he has mm-hmm. uh, plates on his back, like a stegosaurus. So it was mm-hmm. like a stegosaurus thing, but he's like a robot bison stegosaurus dragon thing. Um, turns out through research that he is the last member of a dead species that were uh, stegosaurus, but he is possessed by a bison demon skull. So Stampede is actually a demon possessing the last member of this species through yeah. th- that mechanical skull thing that's on his head, that mechanical horns.
2: Oh, okay. So I did get a like an ancient, unknowable evil vibe from him in that he's like this malevolent forever entity uh, that it, both both uh, Tex-Hex and uh, Bravestar really seem to be like, they're just like, yeah, we can't do shit about this.
1: Yeah. This but they're is also just, like...
2: It's like a force of nature.
1: And they're also very compliant about it, too. Like, uh, Tex-Hex a little bit less so, but Brave Sarge seems to be completely unconcerned right. by, by Stampede. I
0: get that feeling because he's in space on a, sa- on a
1: satellite,
2: and everyone else is land-based. So they
0: can oh, You think no, he's no, in space? Th- I didn't
1: think he was in space. I thought he was just like in a mountain somewhere. No,
2: I researched this. It, he's in his crashed spaceship. It's on the ground.
1: Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a it's spaceship, a cool but it's sp-
2: crashed. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a cool-looking spaceship, but they always show it in these like dramatic, well, for, in these uh, dramatic Dutch angles that this show loves, yeah. and uh, uh, it's very hard
1: to understand where you are. Yep. Yeah. So at this point in time, there's a bit of an argument between employee and boss. Where the employee was like, hey, I wanted to take care of my thing. And the boss was like, no, no, no. You were supposed to go take Fort Carrion. Yeah, my, I don't my problems are you your problems. It. I'm not paying you to fuck around on Spotify and check Facebook. I'm paying you to go serve the people of Fort Carrion and get me into that space. No, what the hell he are you wants
2: doing? He wants Texas to get the shaman.
4: Can we talk about how hot this oh. redheaded chick is? Hey, we're Who? not there
1: yet. We're not there yet. Yes, Mike. Jesus. Um,. Oh. So at this point in time, Tex-Hex is like, fuck you, I'm out of here. You know what, if you, if you want me to find the Shaman, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to go take Fort Carrion. I'm going to go take over this place, and we'll see who the big man is at this point in time. Right. And Stampede was like, all right, I'm taking away Hex or Tex's magic powers. So it will be Tex with no Hex. That's when they drop the title. Right there. Boom. Yep, Tex no hex. They say the name of the
2: episode in the episode. Exactly. That's they, what, they, they are officially that band. The band if,
1: where the name honestly, of their first album is their name. And honestly, every good episode does reference themselves in that fashion. So every good episode of television does that. Really? So at some point in time, Tex-Hex looks at the screen and says, we're going to take Fort Carrion to his uh, Carrion uh, boys, Carrion squad. What are they called? Carrion gang.
2: So from what I understand, Carrion is like the ore that people are mining on this planet. Yes. And it's very valuable. So it's like everything is called, like, I think we could just put the term gold
1: in there, right? No, no, you can't, you can't. So Carrion, C-A-R-R-I-O-N, is the name of the gang. It's like a it's like a dead creature that's rotting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Kerium, K E R R I M, is the unobtainium of this universe. It is the right priceless ore that is pervasive or ubiquitous all over New Texas. And and it's they the have reason decided for it, the settlement.
2: They've decided, in their infinite wisdom, to put these two terms right next to each other in the script and expect us to understand just to, to sort it out yeah well we are watching and the, the 44th episode
1: Karium right they've established a rich world at this point uh, carrium with a K is the name of the fort because uh, presumably it's built on top of a very rich vein of carrium that's being mined by the locals quote unquote mm-hmm. The Prairie People, prairie People, of which Fuzz is a member, and um, it is said that the fort is there because of the mining operation. However, everyone there says, even when the mine runs dry, they will still live in the fort. Don't know why that's an important plot point, but it is there.
2: Well, I think they're trying to say that this isn't this isn't a boom town. They're
1: they're settlers. They're they're uh, civilizing this wilderness. So, so we move on from Tex-Hex back to the Sheriff's Station, where they're talking to uh, a new character that's being established, Judge J.B. McBride. Yes. So Judge J.B. McBride, uh, 3030, Fuzz, and Bravestar are all talking about how much they hate Tex-Hex, how much his hex powers allow him to obey the law, how much they really wish they can grab him. And J.B. McBride looks into camera and says, specifically, she says, (laughs) if I had one wish, it would be to be the judge at Tex Hex's trial.
2: Talking the way any human would talk. Instead of saying, I wish for X... They say, well, if I had a wish, I
1: would wish. If place. I had one wish, right. I would wish this. Literally like staring into our souls directly through the camera to let us know this.
4: Could I, uh, could I mention at this point how hot the redhead is?
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: uh, she could has you elaborate name, on that? Yeah, could you it's elaborate J.B. on that, Mike? If,
4: if I could pause this in my childhood, this is what would be my first boner moment. Mm. Really? She's she looking, Not so. the she is looking at me with those red lips and those red hair. And with that, those, th- those red hairs. Those red hairs and those blue <laughs> all eyes. 48, <laughs> all 48,000 of them. All, All, you know, animated, you know, it looks like, you know, three strands. But it's just like she's looking at me, and I would pause it, and that would be the moment where I became from a boy
2: to, like, a creepy, jerking off boy.
1: This is the redhead from any animated series. This is the one redhead where you would pop your first boner.
4: Yeah, and then from that not, point on... Not Ariel
1: it, from The Little Mermaid.
4: Hmm. Oh, so you're, not, you're, you're, br- you're bringing Ariel into this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to talk you're a gonna l- little bit. You're going to bring Ariel into this because that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> because she's a she's a princess for for one she, thing.
1: She she's not. She's not yeah. she becomes a princess. Well I guess she was a princess. She's the, the daughter of her. she, of she the, was the sea Triton's King. daughter. Yeah, yeah.
4: she's yeah. King Triton's daughter, which makes her a princess. So yeah. But no. Um but this girl has like street cred.
2: Let's talk a little bit about her outfit, because I find it very interesting compared to like the super primary colours of a lot of the other characters. She's wearing this like like skeletor-esque death still suit like she's coming off of dune. Yes. Uh, with like a, a belt that looks like it's she got from winning the WWE. She, her outfit is like so um aliens.
3: It, she's she's
1: it like it really the original off She's like a like a space marine from aliens or like no, she's like f- a Fremen yeah she, she's, she yeah she looks
2: she looks like she's you know uh she's the preacher of the galactic church so of infinite faith or something
1: She's the a sheriff goth well she's a well judge. she's not a sheriff she's the judge yeah
2: do you think that's supposed to like simulate the judge's robes yeah
1: uh no, I'm pretty sure that's to uh cover up all the uh articulating joints of the action figure mm. that she <laughs> is based off of mm. <coughs> It's a bold choice, though, to put her, like, all in black. She looks no, that, badass, honestly. That, that is a bold choice, but yeah, I think that that is. It, it's black her hat is and a little shades off, of strange.
4: gray, in fairness.
1: Because she, she does have, like, this, it, it is like a Fremen still suit, but then she's wearing, yeah. like, a like half bowler cap. It, it almost looks like uh, one of those adventurer caps that uh, you would expect uh, storm chasers to be wearing with, like, goggles attached to it. Like, I'm, yeah, she's uh, like snow super flat brim. Yeah, flat I'm figuring rims, right now that right shape. now
4: all of you guys are watching the same scene where she's just staring right at you guys right now. No, no,
1: Mike. Mike no, she's no, please staring no, at you. No, no, do go on, Mike. She's staring at you. Tell us more about what you're doing.
4: <laughs> she's staring at you, Matt.
1: So anyway, after this scene, we we cut to Tex-Hex and the Carrion gang watching on as their uh, prairie person their token prairie person, yeah, is uh, evil. Evil, yeah, is uh, digging his way to uh, just like Bugs Bunny. Uh, this fellow's name is Scuzz. Not mm-hmm. to be not to be confused with Fuzz. He's Scuzz, and uh, they they comment about how it's taking so long for him to dig this hole, um, and while they're saying that, it, it turns out that he actually has dug his way into Fort Carrium. Yeah, he's all going the way. Like- hundreds of miles an hour. Yeah. So fast. While smoking a cigar too. Like this this dude he is superhuman. He is crazy. He's gotta be jacked. His his trapezoids and deltoids have gotta be just blam. <laughs> his trapezoids. That's right. <laughs> yeah. His parallel his parallelograms His most parallelograms most are jacked.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did l- I like a do- Decahedron
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, Fuzz is about to I see think the on him. Because he smacks into the sheriff's station mm-hmm. and lets out a puff of smoke out of the ground. With the toaster. With the toaster, you're right. And lets a puff of smoke out of the ground, and when he does so, uh, Fuzz catches on immediately. He knows exactly what's happening. And mm-hmm. Fuzz jumps down the hole to confront Scuzz. So this is one
2: of the most disturbing moments in the episode for me.
1: They do this reaction shot where,
2: um... Bravestar and 30:30 are just standing there basically watching these two little creatures fight um, doing nothing not helping, not engaging, not really even reacting just sort until of
1: striking a pose. Th-
2: yeah their avatar their 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 small creature comes out victorious at which point they're like, oh good work. we enjoyed watching you battle for us children.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm watching it now. As Fuzz pops out, that is the first time that Bravestar actually uh, betrays any emotion. And he smiles yeah. at Fuzz.
2: Well, they just do a reaction shot, and, and all Bravestar does is blinks. Just yeah, he, wa- basically watching, like, he doesn't know what's happening. He's not. Or going he doesn't to care. Him. Like, he's not yeah, engaged yeah. at all. Yeah. And it's not yeah. until
1: Fuzz comes out that he's like, oh, okay, Fuzz won. Yeah. Okay. I guess this has the cooler Fuzz. And then he just yeah. leans down and. Talks to Fuzz on his level. Yeah. In a not condescending way. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, at this point in time they realize what's going on. They say let's shut down the city. And this is when we really get into some of the detail of the design of the set. And I think and, and honestly I thought this was really cool. And yeah,
2: this was the coolest part
1: of the episode. Yeah. It's
0: time to separate the saucer section. Yes. Exactly. Yes. This is this
2: is, it's time to sell the playset.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, this would have been an awesome fucking toy. Yeah, if you can actually get carry carrium City. Wonder if they made that. I bet they would have. Well, I'm just thinking if they had eight inch uh, figurines for it, it would just be a huge play set. Hmm. So, so yeah, so they cut down, they shut down the um, the city. They they wind up uh, sending out like all these arms that are like picking up different buildings and drawing the buildings into the wall structures to mm-hmm. shield them. The buildings just themselves like, start collapsing in upon themselves. I love like in a it. Very, like a Transformer-esque sort of a way, just to shut. Yeah, it, pretty much. It's all cool. It's, it's
2: steampunk, and it's like pulling. It's pulling all the external buildings into the central f- building to create a wall.
1: Um, and it's it's very cool. It is definitely very cool.
2: Um, and it seems m- better animated than many of the other parts of the show.
1: That's true. Like they even go in and show like a close-up shot of the power structure. Like the actual right. device that's powering all of this. And that's that was actually, I think, the best animated piece of it.
0: I bet they recycle this for every time they have to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They got to. They have uh, to.
2: Same yeah. with, like, I'll bet the running cycle, that was recycled. For, like, the running cycle in the beginning where but, he, yeah, he appears the with, the, yeah. with and, the animals. when they whip him? Yep. I'll bet they yep. play that over and over on a loop in their office.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's at this point in time that, that Hex says... Or text, I should say, rather says. Uh, There's no way they're keeping me out. I don't know if he actually says that, but he he floors it to get in through the gates of the city. Before yeah, the he's writing, um,
2: he's riding a, a hover, a hover horse that has the head of a the skull of a uh, cow on it. Yeah.
4: But if you notice
2: that the gate
4: is actually the only thing that's standing around there, he could have gone around the gate just as easily. Instead well, of they they do
1: it. show that there is some wall structure attached to the gate, but you are right. like He could have gone over Again, <laughs> this is one of those times where I said, why don't you just go over? Oh, why yeah. don't you just pull yes. up? Just fly a little bit higher, buddy.
2: Why didn't they use any of the mini guns that
1: seemed to bristle from the sides of the fort? Yeah, even <laughs> then. Like, they could have defended themselves in some fashion, yeah. Right. But instead, Hex floors it, gets his uh, mechanical horse or his hover horse... Uh, caught in the gate and he himself flies off of it into the city center and the rest of his gang sort of like bunch up at the outside of the gate that is already closed and they can't get away. So they're thwarted and they just fly off. Actually I think they hang around and watch but eventually they wind up flying off. Yeah I think they basically run away at this point. So this starts a very bizarre extended fight scene between Tex Hex and Bravestar.
2: This scene is so weird.
1: It is super strange right? Because All the people in the town show up to watch, to go see what's going down, nobody's defending themselves, nobody's scared, Tex-Hex is supposed to be this super badass wizard creature that has all these supernatural powers, but nobody's reacting or acting like, oh we we gotta be prepared for this, we gotta watch out, it's like they all already know that he doesn't have any powers anymore. Yeah, and they
2: it's also insane. do this slow pan over the the audience of this showdown and it's very clear that at this point the animators like put all the photos of all their friends yeah. in and traced yeah. them into the show cuz these Cause characters they all look don't look very different, yeah. Yeah, they don't look anything like the other characters and they're much more rendered to the point where like they look like they might be specific people.
1: Yeah, it's very strange, very strange. Um, and then it turns into like the slow you know the slow, like sizing up of the the, the, two, the, 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 face, the two gunslingers looking at each other.
3: Well, the mm-hmm. facial, down.
4: like the faces of them are really weird. They're like all just
3: yeah. They're odd. almost
1: they're almost a little more realistic, which gives those particular drawings a more uncanny valley look it, than the rest of the cartoon. And it's It sort surreal. of takes you out of it a lot.
4: It's almost like they traced like, all of their friends and family.
1: <laughs> hey
2: uh mike what was it like
4: it was it was like an uncanny valley
1: <laughs> i feel like thirty thirty always skips leg day because he's just got those mechanical legs so he doesn't got to worry about it
4: i feel like hmm. thirty thirty always something something because
1: <laughs> <legs. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they they're they're having a um, a fight a showdown. Uh, no, a no, 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 the, they're show having a showdown, throwdown, I should say. It's like an actual gunslinger throwdown. And um, they show and, they show Hex in slow motion grabbing for his gun or Tex. I can keep calling him Hex. Tex is slow motion reaching for his gun and pulling it up to aim it at Brave Star, and it gets shot out of his hand. And Bravestar is making the
2: strangest pose I have ever seen.
1: The weirdest fucking pose, right? They pull in, like, specifically, the animation pulls in to show his hand and how he is holding this gun. And yes. it is so bizarre.
0: Is this the ridiculous gun with a second barrel underneath? Yes. yes. So that you have to yes. hold it with your pinky out?
1: Yes. <laughs> he holds it with his pinky along like the power cell, his middle two fingers grasping the... the uh, actual handle and then like his, his pointer on the trigger. It's almost like he's doing like a Spider-Man move almost.
2: Yes, but his <laughs> point his pointer finger goes outside of whatever the trigger guard is to the front of the gun. Yeah. It's like a, a nail gun kind of, except it's yeah. got also got a scope on it. It's but like a tiny bot- nail gun,
1: like a tiny yeah. nail
2: gun. And the bottom of it is clearly like the battery pack that runs the screwdriver attachment. You guys pause yes, exactly. at that
4: moment because that was like a split second.
2: No, it was not. Mm. I'm actually looking at it. We right got a now. close up of that gun.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. We get we get a glamour shot of that gun where we can see that the bottom part of it is engraved. I mean, cl- clearly they are trying to sell us that gun. That's true. You oh, want,
1: I wasn't even thinking about that. That was to, totally a marketing thing, wasn't it?
2: Yes, and I will oh. bet you that, like, if you look at that bottom of that gun, it's got that. Um, all right, we're going. We're going real deep here, guys. Oh, but yeah, the bottom, yeah. the bottom of that gun has like an octagonal shape, and it's the, a red kind of um, a yep. gem shape on the end of that. I'll bet that the actual play version of that gun, it
0: it's shot flashlight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that that was actually
1: I, shooting out an infrared light. Yeah.
0: So. I, I did some research on off my own and there is oh. a Brave Star wiki with two hundred and sixty one oh. pages.
3: Oh shit.
2: And what's the name of
0: the and gun? And I just put the link to the merchandise page into the chat.
1: Oh nice. seriously.
0: And the gun is one of the items you can buy.
1: God, I I didn't even catch that. That is how insane. much is it?
0: How much is it? Well, it, it's it, I, it's it's an archive of what oh, used to be available in the like 1980s. It.
1: It's. Oh yeah, yeah. I you can actually see the kid. There's a kid playing with the gun in a photo, and he's got mm-hmm. it. It's it, the scope actually works. Yep.
2: Yep. And it's shooting. It's clearly shooting out um, radio laser beams. Yep. <laughs> and it is a neutral Laser Gun toy. Loose
1: yep. neutral laser gun. The a loose neutral laser gun.
4: You guys are paying <laughs> a lot of attention to the bottom, but that's the easiest thing to, like, press out of a um, plastic press machine. It's yep. the top part that's really hard to
1: do.
2: Okay, I'm, I'm No, no, at but,
1: but, but but just looking at it with a critical eye, that the bottom gives it away in the cartoon as an actual toy because because that is the easiest <laughs> part to make. Yeah. So they'd have to have a, a strong base to have the rest of the, like more intricate pieces attached to. And there's also um, a
0: Thunder the Barbarian wiki with one hundred and fifty two pages.
1: Yeah, I looked at that. Yeah. So um So uh, what patre- does
2: it shoot Patreon supporters? To our, our, future, Patreon shoot, like, supporters, to our cool. future Patreon supporters we would all like n- loose neutral
1: network Neutral laser guns, (laughs) (laughs) personalized. Yes, we didn't want to have like your names carved in it. Or yeah,
0: this thing looks like it's carved out of
1: wood. The barrel's actually dildo shaped (laughs) or something. It looks honestly. The toy looks like (laughs) shit. No, it does. It does. I personally like lots
4: of fans.
2: I'm looking at. I'm looking at. Look like the judge. I'm looking at the, uh, the toy in the box, and the, the top li- uh, the top handle of the box pops up, and you can see that if you shoot the laser, it hits that receiver at the bottom of the gun. That's the laser tag gem,
3: and oh. that receives the infrared.
2: So you're supposed it tells to you fight each been, other with it. Yes, to tells nice. you when you've been hit.
1: It so, is a laser tag gun all in one. They were they were picturing kids actually having shootouts of their own. They wanted this to be like they wanted kids to pretend to be gunslingers. They're trying to That's teach crazy. them
0: to shoot the guns out of the other person's hand.
3: Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah.
4: Too bad laser technology back then sucked, and if you were in broad daylight, it would never work. You have to be in like a dark basement.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's where I play with lasers. That's crazy. That is crazy. Good catch, man. I like that. Hey, David, that's uh, fantastic. Hey, hey, how you know do they build such a huge fan base? That is insane, it, guys. <laughs> it takes
2: a village. Well, to and, watch and, this and, stupid it, and I
1: honestly think that this gets back to the, like the the overall like sexuality of this. Like, I I imagine this has probably really gotten into a lot of kids' psyche, and they just kept it their entire lives. Go on, or maybe I Adam mean, did. <laughs> No, I never saw it as a kid, but, like, I could see somebody growing up and becoming a furry because they, you know, saw the watched uh, Brave Star uh, mm-hmm. riding his horse and the horse transforming into a man and uh, wearing BDS game gear and, like, uh, in obvious, and, like, ecstasy slash pain when he transformed.
4: Let me, let me step in here. That looks like the shocker to me. <laughs> oh, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. That's the shocker.
2: He does have his pinky out. He's got he his pinky, his pinky out.
4: out, he's got his two <laughs> fingers. Yeah, okay, so... Oh, right. God. Thank there, you, Mike. Th- I appreciate yeah, you
1: carrying Well, us.
2: Mike, I forgive you for all the leg day jokes. <laughs> so,
4: David, just keep that one, and you can delete me out of the rest.
1: <laughs> Alright, so so we, we move back on to the uh, end of this fight, where <laughs> yes, Tex-Hex <laughs> is trying to use his special hex powers with another limp-wristed, effeminate gesture in the direction of uh, Bravestar. And he seems to not be able to get it up. That's when Smoke just sort of peters out of his finger, nothing's really Mm -hmm. happening.
0: And they say, hey, can we try this fight again in ten minutes?
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sorry, it's it's, it's not you, it's me.
2: (laughs) It used to be five minutes, but now I'm over 40. (laughs)
1: So it's at this point in time that Bravestar finally grounds Tex-Hex, is able to take him into justice, and even says mm-hmm. as much to his face. And they put manacles on him. And they throw him into jail. And it's at this point in time when the rest of the Carrion gang see him getting taken off to jail that they take off. And once in jail, Tex-Hex is visited by none other than Hogtie. Hogtie. Yes, Hogtie. Sorry. Hogtie. Right.
2: This was distressing to me because Hogtie hog appears to be wearing a, uh, u- a Civil War Union outfit. Yeah. Union uniform. That's right. Yes. Uh, do, do, was there a Civil War in New <laughs> Texas or was it only amongst the pig people?
3: Now, so anyway, I, I think this is very and,
1: pro-South. It, it is very bizarre that we have an anthropomorphic pig, uh, another anthropomorphic animal, but an anthropomorphic pig that is dressed in a Union uniform that is an obvious toady of Tex-Hex that's just sort of hanging out in nookarium. Nobody really seems to mind that he's affiliated with criminals.
2: Yeah, and, and let's be clear, like he's not like a lovable pig. He is disgusting. Yeah, like he—he's over his he has ill-fitting clothes. He's overweight. He's—he hasn't shaven. He has enormous tusks. He's disgusting. He's very Matt, gross. Wh- yeah.
4: What's a, what's a lovable pig?
2: Like a teacup pig. Yeah, or that <laughs> pig that um,
1: uh, is in the big city, and his name is Babe. Carry so along. we we learn at this point in time that Tex Hex has decided that he is going to go judge only in this case. And that's a, uh, that is when uh, the pig says, "Why did you do that?" Uh, Hogtie was like, "It doesn't make a lot of sense." And Texex was like, "Well, I don't think that I'm going to get a fair shake from anybody that lives here. Anybody mm-hmm. thinking on the jury isn't going to actually fi- try me in a fair fashion. However, now that you're here, we can just get you on the jury, and you can make sure that I go free. And he can co- again, he's going to fix the jury. looks the camera. It basically says, "I'm going to fix the jury. This is going to be a runaway jury situation." Damn Yankee tricks! Uh, this, the second half of this episode,
2: is such. It feels like such a bizarre choice for a kid's a show. children's cartoon, yeah. or like, yeah, I mean, any any action show. You
0: have like a mix of outer space and cowboy and it's a beloved property, and then suddenly it's bogged down in... Uh, courtroom drama. Courtroom and drama. And hot redhead. And uh, Senate hearings, and
2: Jar Jar Binks
0: right. and why, why would you do that? Uh,
3: yes. <laughs> this seems
2: like they, they cut to the exterior shot of the, of the uh, Hall of Justice, which looks amazing. It's like all slapped together from different pieces of metal to make the Corinthian columns and, and so on. And But the rest of this episode is just like
3: boring weird (laughs) like legalese
2: in which in which the character that we're supposed to like suddenly becomes the like harsh villain who is unable to do the thing we know to be correct because she's obeying the law
4: but that's that's the whole point of like the justice system that this whole episode is like talking about is is,
2: are you kidding me
1: no way in hell. As soon as they as soon as soon they start going through the jury selection process and they realize that there is somebody affiliated with the accused, they're going to start voir dire all over again. They're going to basically send Tex-X back to prison, or back to the jail, let him sit for a little while longer. They'll take into account his pretrial confinement so they can actually count that against the time served. However, he's going to have to wait until they can actually get another jury selected. And once that happens, they'll proceed with... The regular jury, as or the regular trial, as not to mention,
2: not to mention that there are no lawyers present. BraveStar
1: seems to be acting
2: as the uh, prosecuting attorney, for which he does a terrible job. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the thing that I hate
4: about like shows about this where they do mob rule, where it's like you can influence the idiots, and but we all understand that how easily the mob can be manipulated and this is perfectly showing that if you get enough idiots on your side you can pretty much turn the tide of a trial because they fix the jury they fix the population and they just (laughs) and they're like look He's the bad guy, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, he's the bad guy," and he had, he can do nothing, no, no amount of of logic I- is going to help him.
2: Yeah, and you know how they did it? They put formaldehyde in the drinking water.
4: Or no, they put they they put lead in the paint.
2: They put fluoride in the formaldehyde. The,
4: f- the <laughs> in fluoride the formaldehyde. in the water, and Which they vaccinated the their children, with and mercury.
3: It's and all with bullshit, Freddie man. Mercury.
4: And Freddie Mercury, and and well, they also you know provided welfare and they in
2: public schooling. Well, this is definitely the point in the episode where the message of this story starts to get very confused. It's like, yes. political.
4: It becomes political at this point. And they
0: put a Care Bear on the
2: stand. It does.
0: Oh, I was totally
1: going to you stole that from me, David. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I said,
2: like th- they I bet they literally traced that. They, they had to. Care bears. And, and I don't to. think it was
3: Care
1: Bears. I think it was um Gummy Bears? Uh, gummy Bears. Yeah. Gummy Bears, yeah. Yeah. But I I did write down who let the Care Bear in. Okay. So. Okay, did you write down And also,
0: did you write down anything about the metal gavel that sounds like an inflatable gavel when you bang it?
1: I yeah, did. N- I did not, but I found out about that later. Oh, the needless high-tech gavel. Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually that gavel is called the hammer of justice. It's an Whoa. electronic gavel, and it was given to Judge J. McBride, Judge J. B. McBride, J. B. McBride by the Prairie People. Yeah, you better get her
4: name right. She's hot. Oh.
1: J. B. <laughs> B. There,
0: there, there's a whole page on the oh. Wiki. Her
1: name <laughs> is J. B. McBride. Does it stay say on the wiki how hot she is? Like BJ McBride. Wow.
3: It Have you totally...
4: S- look at those, the, those, that jaw and those cheekbones and that red hair.
1: God, this, is this entire thing is just totally sexualized. This is insane. Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you guys are talking about a Care Bear, okay? I'm talking
4: about a woman.
2: <laughs> no, you're literally not talking about a woman. You're talking what? about a drawing. This based
4: well, off the drawing of is being a car- voiced apparently. by a woman. All these are based off of real people, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how all animation works, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this farce of justice goes on for way too long, and it's just a series of witnesses that are pulled up to uh, basically give character testimony about um, Tex-Hex. Uh, he's not really being tried for anything specific, it, looks, it seems like he's just being tried for being a bad guy. Well, he, so he has a litany to, of crimes.
0: Typa- typical TV trope.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. so people just coming out telling him how he's bad. It's at this point in time that we get one of the side characters uh, talking about how he was uh, mining a particular rich vein of carrium. Mm-hmm. and it shows him and his... It does like a flashback to that, and it shows him and his partner bedding down for the night, and they are burning the carrium. So I have it, to think that at this point this show turns into a clip show. No, this this definitely is a clip show at this point in time. Um, you th- you thought they were burning the carrium? No, no, they definitely are. At thirteen forty they're sitting next to a, a fire, and the fire mm-hmm. is the carrium being burned. It's crystals, it's the red crystals.
3: Well maybe they're just staying warm.
1: Burning mm. them. No, it is so they can stay warm, but it, it, it basically just this is at this point in time where I was like, What the fuck is this substance? And it turns out that it, it's supposed to be a, f- a fuel source that's used for pretty much everything. So it's like future coal. It's future coal, exactly. That's exactly wow. what it is. This God, is a very coal. Republican show. Of course it's it clean really coal. Is.
0: It's clean coal <laughs> it's that's clean actually coal. diamonds.
1: <laughs> it is clean coal. That's exactly right. So so anyway, he goes through all this different character assassination. And as they get through the, uh, uh, the trial... Finally, the judge looks at Tex-Hex and says, Hey, you know, we got all these witnesses up here talking about how bad you are. Why aren't you defending yourself? Uh, And I had a problem with that. That's not how the justice system works, you know. He's supposed to cross-examine the witnesses if he's actually acting as his own lawyer, but he's not supposed to be interrupting the examination of the witness unless he has to object to something. And so far, nothing came across as objectionable. But it's at this point in time that Texx just sort of like lets it all out and says, "Well, I'm not defending myself because I did it all."
2: Yeah, and I fixed the journey, jury also. And and I'm yeah, I'm revealing my big trick. Everything's done. And he has he the worst laugh cycle. Like they do this laugh cycle a couple times, and it just looks like a completely different
1: character when he goes into that uh, little animation like cackling. Part. Yeah. Well, during all this, also there there seems to be a a female prick prairie person that's making uh, some um, uh, another character assassination of uh, Tex-Hex and uh, you see that she catches uh, Fuzz's eye and there's like a little bit of like a kindling romance there. Yeah. Well I think,
2: I think that we're seeing a, the continuation of a romance because she, uh, yeah. she, tell,
1: she says that Fuzz is the number one deputy. That's right. And that, yeah. that she was lost if it wasn't for him to saving her from Tex-Hex. Which is clearly a lie just
2: by Bravestar's own ranking system, because he calls Fuzz little part and he calls thirty thirty big part. It's very yep. clear what the sexual pecking order
1: of this, this little threesome is. That's right. Yep.
3: But at any rate,
1: we wind up ending the trial with uh, Tex Hex basically revealing his hand and then Bravestar saying, Oh, I finally get it. I get what's happening. He's thrown the jury after being told specifically what's happening. So, Bravestar then goes and appeals to Hogtie's humanity. Yes,
2: he, he's, he essentially appeals to Hogtie's sense of self-preservation to say, like, all these bad things that it, that tech sex has done could also be done to you.
1: And so it is in your best interest to vote guilty. So it, it actually is just the perfect thing to teach us that the only real way to undo jury tampering is to do a little bit of jury tampering of your own.
4: Mm. And have a hot redhead as a judge.
1: But she she's allowed
2: this clearly uh, compromised jury because she's like, uh, there's no proof that it's been tampered with. Yeah. But that's... Well, there's no,
4: there's no lawyers. Right. And the lesson is that we all need lawyers in our lives. The end. I
1: kind here, here. of agree with you. <laughs> I sort so, of almost agree with you. <laughs> we need more lawyers. Star wipe too. Texxex in prison. Getting ready mm. to be transferred to a bigger prison. They're going to take him up to a space colony prison.
4: Wait, 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 um, wait. Hold on, hold on. I object. We are not going to do a star wipe. We're going to do overruled. a We're going to do a Star Wars side wipe. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, or an iris out. Yet yeah, no more star, no more star side well, wipe.
1: Unfortunately, that's how this this animation is put together. Yeah. Oh. They do call it Brave Star after all, so. Oh the uh,
4: hell. I'm in the wrong show.
2: They could only <laughs> they could only afford
1: one kind of wipe. <laughs> as as we're watching uh Tex Hex fume about uh his impending transfer to the space prison. Uh, Stampede shows up in his gaseous form, and mm-hmm. basically says, "All right, you've had enough. You're coming with me. We're gonna uh, give I'm your gonna powers back. Take you back to my layer. Give you your powers back." However, and I don't know if anybody else got this, Tex Hex seems more freaked out about the prospect of going back to working with Stampede that he did I about ha- going to space prison.
2: Yeah, I had a lot of problems with this because essentially, I feel like this episode r- represents. Uh, a nothing episode. There literally is no change in any sort of status quo for any of the characters, right? This is, I feel like this is a we've run out of ideas late in the run sort of episode. So we're like, well, what if we took away his power? And, and I think the
0: characters um, support you on that because because a lot of times they say, "Boy, yeah. I'm tired of Texxex getting away."
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And at the
0: end, he Texxex gets away.
1: Gets away again.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, Uh, so uh, his reluctance feels like the writers were like, "Well, we have to make this. We have to feel like we have to punish him
1: somehow." Yeah, there has to be some sort of stakes here. There has to be something, right? Yeah,
4: and then pinky wipe to the next episode.
1: (laughs) Not quite, because Hex Hex does have a. Or I'm sorry, I should say Brave Star has a direct line from that prison cell to his bed.
2: Mm Hmm. Yes, he has an intercom that goes from prison to his his personal hangout uh, well, more seems importantly, a weird well more anyways. importantly
1: it is it is actually a video telephone and it is his bedroom. It is where he sleeps too. where he relaxes in repose as he watches the prisoners mm-hmm
3: mm-hmm.
2: Go on. So I mean, and we all know that this is a sex dungeon. Why don't we should just come out and say it? Like,
3: well, uh, there do
1: seem to be break. leather straps attached to the bed. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually very concerned. Brave, all of them know that Stampede's out there. They all know Stampede's power. They know that Hex got his powers from Stampede, and they, they have no interest in him. And and yet they have yeah they have no interest in him. And they also like do oh. nothing to defend themselves against them. For, like they they locked him in a prison cell that had open vents to the outside, like, that's perfectly capable, that any creature that has those type of powers would be perfectly capable of breaking into. Okay. And they did nothing. They didn't care. Well, well, you mm. know,
0: that's a good point. For every hundred men who strike at the branches of evil, one strikes at the root.
3: Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. Who said this?
1: <laughs> Where did this come from? Uh, gummy bears. Yes, gummy bears. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So anyway, uh, I also like how how the, they button up the very ending with. Oh, uh, I hated it. <coughs> the, well, oh. no, no, no. I'm sorry. Not 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 the button, <laughs> but they at the end of the episode they they look at thirty thirty, and he's like, yeah, if if Tex Hex was uh, taken to prison, then the Carrion gang would have been. All but wiped out, and the rest of the gang members would have been easily picked up, and we would have cleaned up this planet, and everything would have been peaceful, and we would have brought justice to the entire world. So I'm glad that Texx got away.
2: Yeah, he's essentially he's, saying, like, this is a writer writing. I'm. I still have a job. Like, this yeah. is a writer being like, I've written a situation that has changed nothing, so uh, I will continue to work on this
1: terrible children's show. I have a job. Well, I die of boredom. It's also a way for of them for like trying to well it kinda hints at more of like the modern ideology of love, this police policing, like police force. It's it's Oh yeah. You know, I want to be able to go out there and bust some heads. I want to be able to go out there and, and cause my type of violence because it's the good guy violence. And if there weren't if there wasn't bad guy violence, I couldn't do my violence against them.
2: Well, they they're not here to protect us from disorder, they're here to
1: protect disorder. Exactly. Oh, so deep. (laughs) And then we go to the button, which ends in looking to camera and saying, being smart is following the law,
2: not breaking it. it. It's a scared street. Obeying the law. They essentially, at the end of this episode, tell us exactly the opposite of what they've just shown us. Exactly the opposite.
4: (laughs) Which is why he looks at the camera so derpily
2: they uh-huh. they've they've spent twenty minutes showing us that you can get away with pretty much anything if you have a super god on your side exactly Well, so don't we all and then they turn back to us and say no children don't believe your eyes or ears don't on take the moral this of the to story yeah
1: it's listen to Nancy Reagan
2: believe me an Indian man with a white man's face <laughs> <laughs> and a white man voice actor. I-
4: Yes, no but I'm tan and have which, every other distinguishing characteristic of an Indian. Which, while Native I American. and my uh, my
2: uh, my my death adder girlfriend hovers over my shoulder telling you that to be good and don't go to prison.
4: Oh, God, she is like
1: a death adder. So, that, that's the button on the episode. But you know what? Um,
4: that's like South Park. Every episode of that was like how to be a horrible, horrible, horrible person, and then at the end they manufacture some kind of like lesson.
2: South Park is a satire.
4: It's a yes. parody of of life.
1: It's a parable. <laughs> it's a hominy. It
3: it's hominy it's grits.
1: It's grits. So grits. Uh, hominy. Grits. That's that's the end of the episode. I was uh, I did a little bit of again going back into some of the research here. Um, this all takes place in the twenty third century, mm-hmm. on a desert planet. carrium mm-hmm. uh, is mined for as a fuel source, uh, primarily by the local inhabitants called Prairie People. Uh, this planet is six hundred parsecs away from Earth. Mm. Oh, it is a uh, tri-soul system. There are three suns in this. That's solar why it's system. so hot. That and that's the reason why even when they showed people hunkering down for the night. It was still daylight out. Interesting. Except for then it wasn't daylight when he was in prison. That's weird. <laughs> that sunset's going to be spectacular. Very strange. So here's the part when we get to some of my conspiracy theories about this, this particular program. So Brave Star was started, like the cartoon itself, the entire idea was started with Tex-Hex. Tex Hex was originally a ghost for Ghostbusters, and one of the producers saw the artwork for him and wanted to make an entirely an entire series just for Tex Hex. Interesting, because he thought that that character was so compelling. So he he went to the producers for the show. And they said, "I like him too much. I want to give him his own show." And they said, "Okay." go and run with it, so he actually hired like some sci-fi writers, and he specifically said, I want this to be a future desert planet, like Wild Wild West style. And let's just make it happen. So, going back and thinking about this whole episode, think about it as Tex Hex is actually the main character. Oh, It's not, I it's mean, not Brave Star, it's Tex Hex. I kind of buy that. It, it, it makes so much more sense that way, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't make it better. I mean, it doesn't make it better, but it makes it
2: make more sense. I mean, in we, fact, it sort of makes it worse because we see n- no change in Tex-Hex. He he doesn't evolve as well. He's character not, in he's any not way. Well, he's not the
1: hero, though. I mean, that's the whole point. He's the anti-hero, but he is the main character.
4: Well, what if a character is so evolved that they don't need to evolve? They are so <laughs> perfect in their Jeez. individual evil or... They are so (laughs) confident in their character that they don't need to. They are who they are, and therefore don't need to evolve past that.
2: Then they're a boring character. Like, that's not an interesting story. But... Joseph
1: Campbell lied. The hero's journey is bullshit. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) No story cycles.
4: What if this isn't about a show, what if this is more about life and a character in life does not need to be interesting, they just need to be.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I actually the way the way that I'm looking at this is I see Tex Hex as an an antihero, but I also see mm-hmm. him as a very tragic figure. He he's caught in between two different worlds and he actually has unrequited love for Bravestar. <laughs> but he is being forced being pigeonholed into this uh, societal way of thinking telling him that he should not be in love with Bravestar so he is doing what he can to try to kill the object of his affection in order to free himself of the quote unquote undesirable thoughts he has for Bravestar.
3: Yeah
4: but that I don't know avoids that he... the whole object about the horse
1: when, Well no that's the reason why when there, are, when there is that first fight scene he is targeting the horse specifically the entire time and it is because, obviously, Bravestar and the horse are a thing. That, they are, mm. that they, the two of them are together in some fashion. And he wants to get rid of Bravestar's companion in an attempt to take that place. Well, but it's also like, as like... he's pushed further and further and further, he's doing what he can to try to get rid of Bravestar because he feels like he needs to fit into this mold that Stampede says he has to fit into in order to be successful.
2: I kind of like this, I but
1: I, I would take it a little further and say that like he's a closeted. No, yeah, that, that he right? he's a closeted homosexual, but but because of society, because yes. he is like he has been taught that he is thinking impure thoughts, and he is doing what he can to try to cleanse himself of those thoughts. And he hates Brave Star, who's living this
2: like self actualized homosexual lifestyle with his multiple partners, um, his, his his exotic uh, fuck conquests like brave star is really this idealized uh stud. Well, yeah, he's like he's like a he's like an adonis. He's completely created this this uh this paradise for himself. And um hex can't can't, he's not he, can't to at, he yeah, he cannot yeah. self-actualize. Yeah. And so he has to destroy it.
1: That's my take. That's my theory.
2: You're an idiot. <laughs>
1: I mean, this, honestly, we'll we'll get into it once we get to He-Man, but it's the same thing with Skeletor and He-Man. It's, like, almost Hmm. the exact same relationship.
4: If we even get to that point. We'll be cancelled before then.
2: I think it's also just, like, at the time period, there was a a definite trend in the 80s to make your main villain pathetic. Um, To, like, not make them scary
1: at all. And, unfortunately, during that time frame, that translates to making them, like, a man that is effeminate or a man that's expressing some type of uh, what would traditionally be thought of as feminine desires.
2: Yeah, I mean, think of, like, Gargamel. Think of um, Skeletor. like uh, Classic villains who who clearly, like, have some sort of odd sexuality and weird obsessions
3: but that's, and that's, are what's outcasts.
1: So- that's what's so weird about this particular series though, is because you kind of feel that that odd sexuality is in spades when it comes to Bravestar. However, when you have the bad guy show up that, that everybody's supposed to picture as a deviant in all aspects of his life, he really just, he, it seems he really just wants to be accepted in that type of lifestyle that the other character's living freely. Like, it's just... That's the reason why I'm saying Tech sex is a tragic figure. Like, it, 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 to me, he really feels like a tragic figure. I, I, I mean, he would be
2: if you liked him at all. But he's hes awful in... Like, as a character, he is just awful to watch. He's awful to listen to. Uh, he's not... He's both evil and not interesting. He refuses yeah. to change you, or you grow. You get that.
1: You get that in the trial part of it, but like the stuff leading up to the trial, though, like his interaction with Stampede, his interaction with his gang—it's
4: very you know, one-dimensional. There, there was a
1: little bit more, in something, something there that was endearing to him. But like once he did get to the trial, he was like showing off to all the "quote unquote" good guys. That w- that was pretty disgusting.
4: I, I like how nowadays they they talk about like like. There's the gray area and the, t- the three-dimensionality of, of bad guys. Back then, you were bad, and you were only bad. You only had one side to it.
2: You know what I think. I think you're both drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sh- shall we move on into... Uh, let's do a little compare contrast between our episodes, yes. and then, then let's talk about whether or not we would have liked this at Children. So, I have to admit... I hated Brave Star a lot more than I hated Thundar the Barbarian. Really, oh, really? Oh goodness! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Although I really appreciated a lot of the production design. It was way better. The character oh. design of Brave Star. We didn't it even just... talk about
1: the the audio, like the the music oh. for Brave Star was actually. I was so surprised. Like the the background music, the interstitial music, it was actually pretty fucking good. I was surprised.
2: And the sound design was much more. Tasteful overall, except yeah. for many of the voices were screeching hellscapes. Oh, for, uh, uh, oh, you, for stampede, uh, Tex Hex, yeah, yeah. Hogtie, all horrible. Yeah. Oh, a fuzz, all terrible to listen to. Oh
3: yeah, yeah,
1: fuzz, the high pitched.
2: Yeah, um, and it just
1: it stunk
2: of like incredibly lazy writing.
1: Yeah, no, it did. It definitely did. Like it, I think it seemed like the the original ideas that they came up with, like the 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 high sci- concept, yeah, the high concept, yeah. like mm-hmm. the, the 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 sci-fi part of all of it was really well thought out. So like so it, I think that the world building was done mm-hmm. really 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 well, and then the writing team was just like I, doing I say that in the, the closet world building and jerking was... off
2: yeah I wouldn't say the world building was I mean there's some fun stuff in there but I'd say mostly it's fun right like you can get into it uh, the set design is really great uh, it, it's a fun setting and then you have these like very bizarre things like Stampede which really was kind of unexpected yeah, yeah. for what I thought would be in this show
3: and then
1: and then being a fuel source that you actually just burn like just like a <laughs> like literally just coal space coal yeah right that's actually but, kind but of believable I still thought that there was there was a, a fair amount that was done to the world building associated with really probably actually now that we've already talked about it a little bit, it's like Mattel did a really good job in making their products and then the cartoon took the products, were like, All right, these are great, we're gonna work these in. Now let's have a weird zombie dragon horse <laughs> bison stegosaurus thing over here. Alright. Right. right.
2: Which, I, do they have Stampede as a uh, playset or a character? Because I, I would buy that. what that would be what, kind of crazy.
0: I don't see that, but there are the four for play sets.
1: Oh, they do have four. Yeah. Oh, oh
2: wow. nice.
1: Just, um, Damn.
2: The other thing, there's a lot of weird similarities specifically between these two episodes. We have characters who turn into smoke... Villainous yep. characters who turn into smoke. Yep. We had a lot of handcuffs that handcuffs that completely incapacitate people. Yeah.
1: Um, Confinement, I'd say that the,
2: imprisonment. Conf- yeah, I imprisonment. Mean. A big, a big one. And then always, and I think this is just a theme of pretty much every children's cartoon. Just a return to the status quo mm-hmm. in a way that's very unsatisfying, particularly from the Brave Star side. Mm-hmm. Um, the, But the, the thun, Thunder the Barbarian just felt much more clean and classic the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bravestar just felt, to me, it felt like this muddled hodgepodge of different disconnected ideas that mm-hmm. they tried to roll up into a, a
1: now you know kind of G.I.
2: Joe moral. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, and and we even said it during the Thundar portion. It was a tight thirty minutes or twenty minutes. It was a tight yeah. twenty minutes. Every bit of that twenty minutes was used for storytelling. Whereas there- at this point in in Brave Star, it was they had like that forty five second scene of riding the horse. There's a lot of like quiet staring off in the distance. There's a fair amount of like people circling each other, waiting to fight. And right. And on top of that, it, it really does have, like, these two different disparate ideas that are just sort of, like, crammed together. You have and a good old-fashioned, yeah. like, out-rough-and-tumble out, out rough and tumble, gun-slinging fight, and then suddenly it, everything stops for a court case. And it makes uh, no fucking sense.
3: And,
2: and I'd say the biggest criticism I have between the two is it felt like the entire episode of Bravestar wasted my time. Mm. Whereas, like, there were parts of Thundar that wasted my time, but I felt like the whole time I was like, hey, I'm in good hands. Like, this is going to take me... I know the steps it's going to take me through. Not. I'm not really going to be surprised, but um, I'm being handled by a master. Um, whereas with Bravestar, it felt like I'm being handled by... A, an Anthropomorphized uh, S and horse demon. As kids, what would we have liked these?
1: Now, I honestly liked Brave Star more than Thunder. Mm-hmm. But it's really just because it was really killing me with the voice actors screaming into the microphone, which yeah. is crazy because you you still got that like the the weird voiceover from Tex Hex where he's like doing that screech cackling thing in in Hogtie it sounded like a uh, bag of Dicks and Stampede was doing like the weird, like ever-present deep voice mystic thing, but I still, I still liked Brave Star a little bit more, just because of how I uh, perceive tex Just, mm. just that that whole the somersaults they did to make some story out of that worked for me. So, are,
4: are we talking about general kids or like literally? Like if you, I, us as a kid.
2: Cause yeah, you as a kid.
4: I was a consumer of all well, well, things. First,
1: just first talking about, like, right now about what our opinions were, David, what, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think the general consensus here is the writing on Thundar was better. Yes. But the dialogue was better on Bravestar. Yeah. And the directing was better on Bravestar.
2: I mean, it's pretty. it's kind of well, clearer where they put the money. Like they put more money into planning the Thundar episodes, and they put more money into the art and production of Bravestar. Well, well, I think it
1: gets down to the fundamental difference of the timing too. Thundar is a story-driven It's a story. It's it's actually a story-driven animated series. Whereas Bravestar is advertisement. Mm, and yeah. That's the reason mm. why my my stupid KMN brain is like, oh, I like brief better because that those advertising tricks work on me because I've been trained to, to. It's not just you, man. Like it works on no, everybody. No, yeah, yeah. So,
2: um, I think as a kid, right now as an adult, I appreciate the like the solidness of Thundar. I, I agree with you about the voice acting and like. The sort of predictability, but I I appreciate the solidness of uh, Thundar's construction. Like if I ran that as d and D adventure, I would feel pretty proud <laughs> of how it came off. Um, so I I appreciate that, but I think as a kid, I would have been very bored by Thundar the Barbarian and not really understand like its connections to uh, the source material, and I would have been really excited by the art and design of Bravestar. and the
1: red-headed chick which is pretty funny because wait do we want to do the kid part or do we Mike do you want to chime in on right now which one do you like better uh, you, you like the redhead uh, yeah he likes Brave <laughs> star
2: well,
4: honestly I would have gone for either because it would be Saturday morning cartoons let's let's be yeah. honest mm-hmm. as, as a kid in the 80s, it was shit that's on TV, and there's not much else that was on TV at the time. So, yeah, we would have watched the shit out of that. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I was definitely addicted to, to television. Yeah, and it, it,
4: would, it's uh, a cartoon would that was on these, yeah. at the time. So, I would have probably watched both, and not. And I was a very, very sheltered kid, as it uh, like so i i wouldn't have seen any of the undertones it would have been mm, lost yeah. on me about hmm. the blunderbuss and the limp wrist and you know any of that i would have just seen pew pew oh, gun also by the way the blunderbuss has a
3: name
1: yeah it, it, the blunderbuss has a name it's mary jane Ma- ma- the, act- <laughs> the blunderbuss had a name. Okay, and the blunderbuss so, had a name. So, Is it, Mary- wow. it might have been Big Jane. Actually, I'm sorry, Sarah Jane, not Mary Jane. So, okay, I thought
4: so, maybe it was a platoon reference. So, as yeah, as the, yeah. as, the yeah. as the sheltered um, kind of like happy-go-lucky kid of the 80s, I would have watched both of those because not just because it was the only thing on at the time on Channel Four or Channel Five or Nine. It, it would have been something else other than Reagan talking. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it, it's really jarring when you watch cartoons for too long, and it throws you over to the McLaughlin Group. <laughs>
3: God, that's true. That's true.
4: Uh, you know, it's really hard for us as adults to go back and look at it through a child's eyes. But if I yeah. if I had to, I would have probably liked both of them equally.
2: So you're yeah. saying that as a child you had no taste?
4: <laughs> None. Whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no standards. I had no taste. I had no artistic expression. I was like a blank slate that that Mattel or any, you know, madman sitting in his, like, corporate office, if he wanted to throw it down my throat, I was glad to just swallow Slip it. You, it on up. You were like swallow cake it batter.
2: You were like cake batter poured into a snow angel just waiting to be stuffed with circuits.
1: <laughs> but
4: weren't, all, weren't we all...
1: So, um, just going off of the fact that I actually did watch Thundar as a kid, <laughs> um, and I, I had never fucking heard of Brave Star until I was an adult, um, and even watching it now, I'm pretty sure I would have gone Thundar, to be perfectly mm. honest. The themes in Thundar are more appealing to me the, the idea of a post-apocalyptic society with magic and and monsters and super science was something that was much more my speed when I was a kid than westerns. I don't yeah. know why, but I, yeah. I I was one of those weird kids that never really got into westerns. Me neither. And I, I didn't think that it was very compelling to have a story that took place in the Wild Wild West. As an adult, I do appreciate westerns a little bit more. Um... I, I felt the theme of uh, Star Wars wasn't really lost in me as a kid, but it's now as an adult that I look at it. I'm like, oh, that was actually a space western. That kind of mm. makes sense now.
3: <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, when I was a kid, I would have totally been down for Thundar.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, Thundar is
1: very rifts. It is. It is very rifts. Yeah. And I am very rifts. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple more things for Brave Star that I kind of missed out on. They were anticipating the success so much to the point where they actually started to make a spinoff called... Really? Bravo. Bravo with an exclamation point. Filmation got shut down before they could make it, but it was... What what was in Bravo? They they didn't say. I think it was supposed to follow the prairie people a little bit more in depth.
2: I will say, as an adult, I really want a toy of the um, robotic cactus that mm. uh, is in Tex-Hex's gang. Yeah, that thing was <laughs> awesome.
4: <laughs> I want the town... Yeah, what's that, his name? Hold on. Let me pull this up. Bush. Ma- I-, I want the town that snaps closed and oh. draws in itself. That is... like We all seem to really like how that town just yeah. like snapped closed. Yeah, man. So I, as
2: a kid, I had the G.I. Joe Thunderdome, the um, the Cobra base. That thing was sweet. Oh, I had the, um, the
1: mask... Uh, uh, volcanic, mountain? Yeah, you know, yeah, it was the mountain, but it was like the the, the gas station built on the side of the volcano. Yeah. All right. We so, were, so we were the cactus robot, the cactus robot, had a very original name. Yeah. Cactus head. <laughs> <laughs>
3: nice,
0: nice. So this is a question, just for you and Mike. Would you let Me- your kids watch this? Ooh. And no. <laughs> N-
2: neither one.
1: Emphatically no, <laughs> I absolutely would, not.
2: I would probably let Audrey watch Sundar, yeah. um, but I would I would talk to her about like that. This is a product of a particular time, <laughs> and that the things that Ariel does are not things that she feels like she needs to emulate. Um you you think the all of the uh
0: shouting dialogue would make it uh divorced from reality enough that <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um Brave Star I mean it's I think it's also just aimed at an older audience uh and she's 4 months old so I don't know that she's going to get much out of either of these. Um but <laughs> Brave Star to me just seems so Confused in its message, and um, very much tried it tied up into like a social commentary that I don't think I totally understand, and so that would cause me to
1: pause a little, I guess.
3: Let's fight! Let's fight together!
1: Now it's time for our one universe theory, where we try to connect the threads of every cartoon and feeding it into one overarching explanation of how the universe works. So right now we're dealing with Bravestar, a space western, and we're trying to connect that to Thundar the Barbarian, the post-apocalyptic wastelands of Earth.
0: So I had a pretty simple theory. Someone had said that Bravestar World was actually Mars, so it's pretty... Simple. Both worlds have a lot of technology. Both worlds have a lot of magic. Earth is a bit more ravaged of technology, and Mars is uh, has a bit more technology, a bit less magic. And they're just in the same solar system. I and, uh, I think that's the best uh, answer.
1: I think I think that's a good straightforward answer. Yeah.
0: Earth was devastated by perhaps a giant spit. Draco Lich in space.
1: Ooh, yeah. yeah, that was the cosmic force that
2: <laughs> Ooh. destroyed our
1: Earth. Yeah. Oh,
2: I like that connection. I was going to say my theory is the same ther- theory that uh, this is the same timeline and this is happening contemporaneously to each other.
1: That's that's also the same theory that I had at first. Oh. But then I started to after I did a little bit of research under Brave Star, and they specifically said that this takes place in the twenty third century. So that would have been... Well, no, that's 2,000 years in the future, right? Mm-hmm. No, 23rd? We're at no, the that's, that's, century now.
0: that's, that's 200, year, 200
1: years in the future. Oh, I'm sorry, 200 years in the future. You're right, you're right. God, what's wrong <laughs> with me? All right. Uh, but the other thing is that it takes place 600 parsecs away from Earth. That's the part that, that cause, throws a little little hitch in there. So we know that, that New Texas is 130 light years away. This Mm -hmm. is only about 200 years after the apocalypse that occurred in 1994. Mm -hmm. So the the apocalypse, the the space phenomenon that destroyed Earth, happened so quickly that NASA only had enough time to gather up the people that were nearby to get them into space and get them off planet. Mm. And they had to build the rest while they were out in space. And so, that's why
2: we ended up with this grab bag, grab bag of losers? Of
1: yes, Texans. because at Cape Canaveral... So, in, so it,
0: no, no, this would be a Houston launch. I'm sorry, in so yeah,
1: Houston. It's yeah, been Texas. launched from Houston. <laughs> so they gathered up everybody in Houston mm-hmm. uh, that they could, shoved them on a spaceship, sent them out, and they basically said, okay, what do we know? We know that this, some sort of malevolent force has destroyed Earth. Let's go to the source. Maybe there's something there that we could use. And that's when they started heading out towards New Texas. They made discoveries while they were en route, and they they discovered the ancient lich dragon king that was there then wound up spreading his magic to Earth even though they don't necessarily know what's going on Earth because they abandoned it. Ooh, and and the animals that they brought
4: to Mars mutated through the... uh,
1: There we go. The animals that they took with them on this Ark ship uh, wound up Uh, interbreeding with humans at some Mm -hmm. point in time. Oh, gross. becoming the pig people.
4: (laughs) Of course you're going to bring animal sex into this.
1: Hey, Brave Star started it, okay? Mm, Well, I mean, clearly they still practice it. You
4: couldn't just say that the pigs and the horses mutated. You had to actually bring in interspecies sex.
2: How do you think mutation happens, Mike?
4: Not through interspecies sex. That's impossible. It's, the like, if you have a horse and a donkey have sex, they come up with a mule, which is sterile. is sterile.
2: It, it's, it's right there in the name. A uh, mule, mule, but it's,
4: it's sterile. It can't have more mules, and you can't all of a sudden have that mule talk.
1: Haven't you seen Mr. Ed? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God. He was a horse, of course. <laughs> well, um... <sighs>
3: Good, I would like to theory, think that Adam. these
1: species so so that's that's, that's where I came up with just because obviously within the Brave Star universe as well, space travel is possible. They talk mm-hmm. about sending Tex Hex to a space prison, so if that was the possibility, why wouldn't they have gone back to Earth to try to help them out? It's because Earth is still a smoldering heap right now and mm-hmm. hasn't even gotten to barbarian times yet. I. No- I would buy
2: that because clearly there's an existing infrastructure.
0: Now in your theory, are there still humans on Earth or do the or does the population of New Texas have to reseed Earth with humanity? Because there
1: was that human the latter. It is that the population of New Texas, eventually scientific crews from New Texas are going to basically go back to where they came from with the assistance of the new fuel source carium. And the magic that they learned from Stampede, they'll go back to Earth to try to see if they can fix it. Something else will go horribly wrong, or maybe the scientists will go mad and become the the sorcerers of the seven citadels that then wind up trying to control all of Earth. Sorcerers. I'm sorry, sorcerers. Mm. <laughs> um, I like
2: that theory. I like that idea. I like, th- you know, they kill Stampede and then... Uh, they all eat
1: of his flesh, and that's how they are gifted sorcerous, power, sorcerous powers. Sorcerous powers. Stampede is the G- is the Jesus of sorcerers.
0: Now we have a list of about two hundred shows. Should we keep these shows on the list for possible future episodes, or do you never want to watch any episode of this of these shows ever again?
2: Can I go first? I, yeah. Go okay, for sure. okay. I I mean, both of these shows are too rich to throw away. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel Ooh. like with Brave Star, Hot we hit, yeah, we hit a gold mine of insanity. Uh, I think
1: and, we could do like an entire miniseries just on Brave Star. Honestly.
2: Yeah, and I want I want to learn more about Thunder. Like, I, I I liked the the solid storytelling. I feel like it's a really nice um, counterpoint to kind of the the rampant republicanism uh, and off the wallness of Bravestar out of
4: morbid curiosity I will keep it on the list just to see how much more rampant homosexuality that we could pull out of both of these
2: technically we don't it's not really clear but Ulan could have been a female that's true Yeah. Uh, I just just want to
4: see where this rabbit hole leads so, I will leave so it on until both. until we find other things that are more exciting. Because this is episode one, and God knows anything can happen right up until episode two when we're canceled.
2: I just think that, I mean, Bravestar is such a rich vein,
1: and uh, Thundar is, uh, I
2: just want I, I don't mind knowing more about that.
1: So, I would drop Thundar. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, again. You say standing. no more Thundar? I, I would say no more thunder, but I, I'm not going to be upset if we keep it on because uh, there is some interesting themes there that would be be uh, nice for us to explore. Uh, Brave Star, there's no fucking way we could drop it. I mean, there's just <laughs> too much here. Re- reading, like doing the research that I did on Brave Star, they, they have two episodes where they go back to Earth. And when they go back to Earth, London is a Victorian London, futuristic Victorian London. With a time traveling Sherlock Holmes, you mean Doctor Who? Yes, but cr- but suddenly crammed into the Brave Star universe. What the fuck? We like, we got to see this thing. I okay. agree. I but, mean, but, if we if
2: we had to make a choice between the two for for the health of the podcast, I would choose Bravestar. Star.
1: <laughs> Not for our mental health, but for the health no, no. of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Thunder Thunder I would drop just because. Well, initially when I was thinking about it, it was going to be an either-or situation, but um, mm. even with that in mind, trying to reduce down to 200, we got to get there at some point in time, and I'd be willing to sacrifice Thundar.
2: I feel like we could get our Thundar fix from a bunch of other shows. Yeah. That, like that vibe and, and that kind of storytelling.
4: Honestly, I'm just worried about not being able to get in leg leg day jokes.
1: <laughs> uh, David <laughs> yeah. Thundar was a rich vein of leg days. <laughs> rich vein <laughs> of David
2: did you have an opinion on which you would keep and which you would drop yeah
0: Thundar the writing that they, they do go in unexpected directions I think the next episode will be a lot different from what we watched oh really and so I, I think it's worth keeping on the list and for Bravestar it is kind of worrying that in this episode the characters seem tired of the Brave Star storyline.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: would agree.
1: (laughs) Good point.
3: Very good point. I completely agree. They
0: seem very weary that uh, Tex-Hex keeps escaping every time they arrest him. But uh, it was the first episode for me, so I'm willing to go for another episode at least.
2: Okay. I think we'll continue to see that kind of, like, very lazy storytelling throughout yeah. the uh, Brave Star <laughs> milieu.
1: Well, yeah, because it's just it's just supposed to be cool music and bright flashing lights to get kids to buy toys. So mm-hmm.
4: maybe we can learn from this and have really lazy podcasting story.
1: Wait, well, I you think don't we're there. Think This was lazy. Well, that's why we're studying.
0: <laughs> well, that's why we're setting these shows against each other. <laughs> It's a lazy device to create uh, tension and
2: competition. Right. And come to no resolution. Back to the status quo. Um, All right, gentlemen.
0: Oh, it says throw to me. That's not right.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, What is going to be our future episode? Shall we do a random rolling? Well, we did.
1: let's, Let's roll the dice. we, what? we, we did roll podcast
4: the dice. Alright, yep. yes. Um, yeah, the dice yeah, cue the, uh, the random rolling dice animation. When, that isn't actually going to be an animation because this is a podcast.
0: Audio. When when Matt was not here, we created <laughs> a show queue so that we could do episodes when people were missing.
4: That's what happens when your kid's pooping, by the way.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's creating a show, a show key.
2: <laughs> I knew it. I knew every time my kid pooped, I was missing out on something wonderful.
0: And on the next episode, Adam will be giving us a in-depth, detailed review of The Spectacular Spider-Man, Episode Ooh, 1, Survival nice. of the Fittest. Is
4: that and the one where they're episode, pointing at wait, each other?
1: We got Episode 1 of hmm? The Spectacular Spider-Man? Uh, yes. How did that roll work out? That's crazy. Well,
0: we didn't realize there was a second season, so, so we only <laughs> did a random number on the first season. <laughs> okay. It's not that random then. I love it. But that worked I out love it. because the second season is not available.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: <clears throat> and Mike will be giving us a review of Wildcats, Episode 9. Black Razor's Edge. Okay. Okay.
4: <laughs> I'm super excited, guys. <laughs> I
2: love it. I'm yeah. excited to learn how crummy Wildcats is.
4: I'm excited to find out how crummy Wildcats is. Also. Maybe there's some
1: leg day jokes in there, Mike.
4: <laughs> Maybe there's a hot redhead too.
2: Uh, no, she's bald. Ah.
1: <laughs> well, there's, there's the, a brunette. There's the codex though. She's got white hair.
2: We're cutting all of this. Yeah, we're cutting all of this.
1: Definitely, let's sign out. (laughs) So, how how are we signing off? Uh, Uh, say your name. This has been Adam with WKRU FM. No, um, (coughs) (coughs) you have just experienced the first episode of something that we like to call amazingly terrible. Awesomely terrible, amazing, and I'm the drummer. Amazingly, amazingly terrible, <laughs> or or even, even better, even better. Thank you for listening. Wasn't that just amazingly terrible? <laughs> that
4: <laughs> horribly. That's probably going to be our our tag right there.
1: And here is my amazingly terrible outro. Here we go. I, I
2: I've got one. Uh, As the rosy-fingered dawn creeps over the horizon, the dark tendrils of the subconscious (laughs) pop-culture beasts slip back into the pre ocean. We release you. Or do we?
4: Alright, here's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Turtles breathe through their butts. This is Mike (laughs) out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: I love it, Mike. Uh, Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for so, listening. I've been Alan Smithy. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. right. Amazingly Terrible is produced by David Marks. Music by the RL9.
3: Not even a peep out of Texas. He is weary! He needs water! Food!